Blog Talk Radio. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Live with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Ruscha. I have a great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. <laughs> Right on. 2014. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Kevin Barnett, Jeremy Ruscha. This is the Net Live start of year number six of this program. Wow. Jeremy, you've been here three? Yep. Three of the best years of your life. <laughs> wow. Three years you've been here already. I know, I know it's to the point where. You're mentioning the seasons and where the sun lands on our little broadcast spot here in the the home court. Yeah, the net live needs to invest in a shade to your middle skylight because it is absolutely crushing me and my two computer screens. We're all about dwell. We don't have any. We have natural lighting all day. If I could put more glass in the house, I would. I would definitely do it. Thanks for tuning in here, ladies and gentlemen. This is the first show of 2014 as we begin our sixth year of broadcasting and bringing you the best of volleyball every single week. We've got a cool lineup for you today, kind of different. We're going to have a couple of college volleyball weeklies. We're going to have Brandon Rosenthal in here to wrap up the women's because we haven't seen you since just after the semis with our Seattle special. And if you missed that, well, you need to go back and download it right now. I actually fixed the audio for those that got it earlier and the audio was a little sketchy at parts. I fixed the audio. You can go back and listen to that show live from convention. It was on December 20th, and that was a fantastic show. It was just crazy people coming in, coming out. We had Mark Dunphy for the first time ever. We had uh, head coach of Arkansas, Robbie, whose last name is escaping me right off offhand. We had Chris McGowan. We had Ben Budipo Memba. I think he's been on every convention show we've ever had. With his new nice kicks. With his kicks, yep. We had, uh, we had Brandon Rosenthal. Deb Static, Reed Pretty showed up, and Reed Pretty will be showing up later we'll today. Traffic-dependent, the Sasquatch, we have re-imported him from the wow. north. We have brought him back down, and he will appear on the show this afternoon. I don't know if it's like this everywhere else, but Reed's going to be late today because if you live in Los Angeles the last week and a half, two weeks, traffic is actually nice. Right. Because people are out of town. You know, you can actually get places within 20 minutes, not an hour. Right. So it could take Reed two full hours to get here today. Possibly. I think it's taken Jay Hasek before when he's been out here uh, an hour 45 from the Orange County area. So very similar result probably in the works for Reed. Which on some days, Reed could probably get here in 45 minutes. I'll tell you what it's like in the rest of the country, though. You're mentioning the rest of the country. And uh, it's negative degrees. Negative degrees. Here we're experiencing a terrible cold front. It's going to be cold in the evening. 51. Yeah. Rough. Yeah, it's 51 below in a lot of the rest of the country. When they say... Polizza, thank you. Coachella. When they Polizza. say you can't have exposed skin... For more than 15 minutes, frostbite coming for you. That's an issue. Ugh. Ugh. Like, I'm not going outside ever. No. And I've been there. Uh, it's, it's brutal. Hey, you know what? I saw Virginia. Where are you from, Virginia? My home state. 
uh, I grew up in uh, Fairfax County, right outside Washington, D.C. Okay. I, that's actually where I'm going to be staying with my uncle, taking the kids for spring break. Nice. Going to D.C., doing the museums and awesome. stuff with the kids. They're just the right age for that. Perfect. But I saw a list of, it might have been Fairfax or somewhere nearby, of best cities to live in uh-huh. the United States. It was right there. Yeah. So congratulations to you. Thank you. Um, I can't take full credit for it, but I can take some. A buddy of mine called me, it must have been Saturday or Sunday, and he was just angry on the phone. <laughs> I was like, what's wrong? He's like, it's cold here. He's like, the weather today called for rain, three feet of snow later. <laughs> there, there you go. That's the Midwest for He you was too. not pleased at all. I mean, like, he was legitimately angry on the phone about how cold it was. Rain to freezing snow, or freezing, pardon me, rain to freezing rain to snow, back to freezing rain so you get a nice ice coat right on top of the snow. We've had before in my house in Illinois, we would have eight inches of snow with a crust so thick you could walk on it on top of the snow. Man. Because you had freezing rain afterwards and then you go sub-zero for a while. I saw photos online today of cars that are literally frozen to the ground. Oh. Buddy of mine took... 36 hours to get from Bozeman, Montana, back to L.A. over the last two days because of the weather in Bozeman. Had to drive to Billings to try and get a flight. Then had a flight from Billings to Seattle. Got stuck in Seattle for a while. Got home late last night, he, his wife, and two kids. 36 hours, Bozeman to L.A. Normally a two-and-a-half-hour flight. I had relatives that were in Vail over the holidays. They drove. They left Vail. Flight was on time. Hopefully it wasn't a private plane. Got to Denver. Yeah. Flight canceled. Oh, this was on Friday, by the way. They said we can't get you back to Philadelphia until Tuesday. What? So they drove. They got a flight in St. Louis. So they drove from Vail to St. Louis to fly. Oh. What? Yeah. Oh, Denver to St. Louis. You're looking at about twelve to fourteen hours at least. Oh, in the weather, that's brutal. Yeah. Well, we hope you're inside and nice and warm if you are somewhere across the United States because here, sunny. And nice. It's going to be about 73 today. I have pants on right now, but they're really thin, and I could have got away with shorts. My pants coming off later. That's a whole other subject. <laughs> but the, uh, the shorts going on. That's an early drink in 2014 <laughs> for our listeners, Kevin. We had an early drink earlier. I, liked, uh, I put up a couple of pictures from Anaheim 1. That's the first race of Monster Energy Supercross that I worked this past weekend, and Sean Manzi popped in with a hashtag drink. Nice. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. So we have we have College Ball Weekly a couple of times. You get a lot of us on this one. It should be a lot of fun since we've been apart for about three weeks. We'll have a 2013 wrap-up. I'm sure we'll talk about a lot of topics from the last year, as well as a 2014 future and what we're looking oh, forward man. to. And this includes the Netty Awards. And yes. I was, yes, Kevin. I was thinking... In-studio audience cannot wait for the Netty Awards. We didn't say we're giving away a new car. We just said we're giving out the Netty Awards. Yeah, that's their excited. This isn't Oprah. It would have been a raging crowd if... Uh, if it was Oprah yeah. giving away a new car. Yeah. You're all going home with washers and dryers. Yeah. Uh, no, we... I was thinking if, if this fifth annual, but it's not... I don't know that we gave out the Netties the very first year. This might be the fourth annual Netty Awards. We'd have to go back into the archives. We actually have some lost episodes of the Net Live uh, that... I think Reed had a hard drive die or disappear or, or Caden ate it or something. And, uh, and we have some episodes that are lost. But I'm thinking this is the fourth annual Netty Awards. Okay. I really only, and only because I wrote it down, I remember last year's. I don't remember 2011, but I assume that I did it because I was here. And I I've seen 2009. It. We okay. had 2009 awards. So yeah. i, I got to look back. But 
Here's, uh, here's some of the categories you can look forward to throughout the show. Most influential volleyball event of 2013. Mm-hmm. Team USA Player of the Year. Now, this is men's and women's, beach and indoor, so there's going to be four players there. Mm-hmm. Best Newcomer, men's and women's national teams. Mm-hmm. Now, I took that to mean indoor. I did not go with the Correct. beach national Correct. teams yet. I think that system is coming. But, yeah, I took it as indoor as well. I think it's only indoor as of yet. Headline of the Year. Biggest Disappointment of 2013. Okay. Biggest Surprise of 2013. Uh-huh. Issue that will be most influential in 2014, upcoming year. Uh-huh. Volleyball Person of the Year. Mm-hmm. And the TNL fifth man, it used to say. You asked if it was fourth man. I think it might even be third man. Yeah, I was wondering what number we're, <laughs> I down, think we're on. To, I think we're down to third man. Okay, of the year. third man of the year. So, so third man of the year. And uh, you can see how our roster is going here by the um, used to be fifth man award, now third man award. Uh, Reed Pretty's calling in. I wonder if he's stuck in traffic and saying I'm turning around and going. No, home. he cannot turn around. But you can put him maybe on he's air. Just, or maybe he could just be listening. He, he could just be tuning into the show. I'm not Reed? Sure. Reed, do they have in 87 Chevy uh, Cavaliers, do they have hands-free? This can't be legal. <laughs> who, does who have one? You. You, do you have hands-free? I mean, I know you bought a used 87 Cavalier, so... You know, he didn't have the funds. You're not going overseas. You're not playing. you got to cut back somewhere. It's actually an ex-cop car, Kevin. And it had, you know, I was, I was supposed to ride with the lights uh, covered. Yeah. But since I'm running a little bit late, I've kind of got the siren going and uh, just blitzing up to 405. <laughs> well, if you're a gold medalist, they give you that sort of thing. You get that, you know, the, the Russian gold medalist when they won in 2012. They got Audi a 8 you got a used cop car with lights. I can see Reed right now holding the gold medal out the window, one hand on the steering wheel, lights flashing on top of the roof. Get out the way! Hey, Jack, Jeremy, it's actually the gold medal that powers this thing. you got to set it right in the, uh, it's kind of like the Iron Man uh, setup. You just put it right where the, uh, the nav would be. I love it. Well, how close are you, Reed, pretty? Because we'll save the netties until you get here. Until uh, that point, we will... Uh, I don't know. Talk about something. I'll be there sometime within the next two hours, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll yeah. put you back on hold so you can hear the show. Yeah. Thank you. All right. We'll see you shortly. Read pretty. Uh, suck in traffic. You know what? Every time we start in this house or with friends, start discussing routes. Yeah. At some point, somebody has to go, the Californians. Oh, because you say the. Well, it's always that. My buddy Josh Crozier used to tease me because I played with him at Pepperdine, and he lives in Colorado, so when I joined the national team, he and I used to hang out. And I'd always say, yeah, I'm taking the 25 to get to your house, and then I'll take, you know, C-470 or the, the 71 oh, or whatever. Oh, you say it in other states? Yeah. See, it doesn't happen to me and in other states. He goes, no, no, it's not the, it's I, I-25. I, I take I-25, not the 25. That's funny. Yeah, but, I don't, it doesn't translate for me in other states. But have you seen the the Californians oh, on SNL? Yes, people. Every time it comes on, I get phone calls. Or yeah. yeah, it's so us. It is so LA. One hundred percent. Absolutely captures it. It's totally true. When you watch, I don't that, say it with that accent though. Let's talk. Let's, <laughs> except for the part. I don't where, know how many Californians I know. Like, oh, I'm gonna take the four hundred five <laughs> to the one ten. Everybody. Like, I don't know. Girl. Like, I don't know very many people like that, Kevin. <laughs> Nicole, what are you doing here? <laughs> Speaking of uh, Nicole, Nicole Ray. Yep, we uh, we had a, a, a social media explosion <laughs> over the holiday. 
because according to social media, I you and Nicole Ray got engaged. Congratulations, Jeremy. Where's the studio audience on this one? According to Chris Geeter McGee, I got engaged over the holidays. <laughs> I posted a photo of Nicole and I on Instagram. Geeter responds, oh, congratulations on the engagement. Literally, I got phone calls and text messages. My buddy called my buddy. He was mad. Legitimately upset. He told me. I saw a text message from him like 8 in the morning. I wasn't awake yet. But he, I finally called him back, and he goes, before we talk about this, I just want to apologize that when you actually do get engaged, I will have no emotion about it. Because <laughs> at 6.30 this morning, I went through the entire gamut of emotions about you being engaged and why, how upset I was that I found out on social media instead of you telling me in person. He's like, so when you finally do get engaged... I will have no emotion, so don't don't be offended because I wasted it all this morning. Congratulations, he Jeremy. almost called me. He said he almost called me at six thirty, which would have been three thirty West Coast time, because oh, he saw it online and like he's like I was dialing your number because he saw Geeter's message and I yeah. responded underneath it saying ha ha way to start rumors and my buddy's like that's not even a denial necessarily. Uh. So <laughs> he was all confused and that yeah, was pretty good. By the way, it's not the first time that uh, people have thought. Nicole and I were engaged a few years ago. I think hoped is the word you're looking at. That is correct. Um, a buddy of mine got married in Vegas, and while we were there, Nicole and I took a picture in the little chapel of hope or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. And, I was, and this was six to eight months. A little months. white chapel. Yeah, six to eight months before April Fool's. I was like, we're going to take this photo, and we're going to send it to our family on April Fool's Day. <laughs> so the next April Fool's, I send, I send the photos like, hey, everybody – Nicole and I have some big news, but we're going away for a couple of days. I'll call you when we get back. This was on April Fool's. So I get the full, like, and I'm not answering my phone, my phone or emails from family. They're calling. They're emailing. They're going through the whole gamut of, ha, ha, April Fool's. Hours later, because I haven't responded to them, they're like, wait a second. Is this true? <laughs> so, by the way, it's like a mass email, and my mom responds to me making fun of my outfit. I listened to a buddy of mine's message. He got mad at my mom because he thought I was really engaged. And he got mad at her because she was giving me grief because of the outfit I was wearing. Well, you have some emotional friends. Oh, man, it was was so good. (laughs) It was so good. Yeah, so congratulations on the not engagement, but it's a nice nice profile picture. Yeah, so when we do get engaged, nobody's going to believe me. I've been crying wolf for years. Yeah. (laughs) How many years have you been dating Nicole? It'll be nine in July. Oh, Jeremy. I don't think dating is the correct term anymore, Kevin. You are are together. Common law. We are together. It's common law, yeah. My goodness. Yeah, somebody posted on the chat board here a link to the Californians. Thank you, Matt Gardhoff. That's, uh, yeah, that's incredible, the Californians. Definitely something you want to see. Hey, while we were in Seattle, we didn't talk to you about our whole trip in Seattle. I did a, a podcast up there called the Marty Reimer Podcast. Marty Reimer, a famous oh, yeah. DJ guy up yep. there. He, uh, he titled it here December 20th because I did it the morning of our show. It's episode 416. You can find it at MartyReimer, R-I-E-M-E-R.com. Episode 416, if I could spike the ball in your face, I would. <laughs> now, here's the problem. You invite me to your podcast. Normal podcast guests. That's the problem right there, just period. Yeah, normal podcast guests would come in. You're going to interview them for 10 minutes. They might you know, listen along, might say one or two things, right? They're not broadcast people. If you invite me to your podcast, I am de facto co-host. Yeah, because this <laughs> is what you do. This is, if you want me to talk... If you want me to come on your podcast, talking is what I do for a living. My family is fond of making fun of me 
This is my extended aunts and uncles and cousins. By the way, period to the end of that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> They're fond of making fun of me because I will, I will chat with you. I will, I will get going. We will have some fun. I will be loud and try and be funny. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, you can't be somebody different than you are on air. You, that's just who you are. Yeah. Doug Beale told me years ago, you can't be somebody different off the court than you are on. And I thought, well, that's probably true. Well, at the time, I thought, Doug, you're full of shit. But after that, I thought, a few years later, I thought, wow, Doug was actually right. Uh, but Doug actually knew what he was talking about. So episode 416, give it a listen. Kind of fun. It, he does a podcast. It's all about different stuff. We learned what the fine is for public pot smoking in Seattle, in the state of Washington. There is a fine for publicly consuming pot, even though pot is legal. Marijuana is legal in the state of Washington. There is a fine if you're caught smoking, although they've said they don't want it enforced. They don't want a lot of tickets. They don't want caught people getting smoking, like walking down the street. In the park or something. Yeah, 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 yeah you're yeah. sitting in the park. I think we covered this. Do you remember what the fine is? I think you said it was like $16 or $24. $27. And I just, I always wonder if you can bargain with the guy. Dude, I, I got, uh, I got, I got 18. So here's the real question is we're. Are people imagining me, you, and Reed huddled in a hotel room just absolutely toking <laughs> up the whole time we were in Seattle? Well, Reed can't. He's still subject to USADA. <laughs> but you and I, Jeremy, we could hotbox it all night. It's no problem. <laughs> it kind of goes against my own little morals. But, uh, yeah, marijuana, not that big a deal. And Jay Hosley makes a good point. They don't allow public drinking, so you shouldn't allow public smoking. I'm with you on that. I, I th- and you're not allowing public smoking of tobacco anymore. Correct. Right? Like, so that's I don't want to walk down the street and smell your weed just like I don't want to walk down the street and smell your cigarette smoke. Right. So yeah. you can use the electronic cigarettes if you want, which a lot of people do. Those are, I, really, you have a problem. If you've gone to that no, no, no. extent, you he, have a problem. You know what you are? When I see people like in the club smoking those things or walking down the street, like you look like a douche. You just do. <laughs> you just really do, Kevin. It is so cheesy and not manly. Even for it, a girl, yeah, it's, it's not manly. It's like, not manly. It's just you. I don't like you. For, and so all the listeners on our show that use that, like, I don't like you. For a girl and a guy, it says, I have a real serious problem. I have bought an electronic item to feed my addiction. <sighs> it, it's not a good look, Kevin. No, it's bad. Just so, ha- have the cojones and do it for real. Just for clarification, the net live against e-cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> I have offended half of our listeners. <laughs> That's right. Hey, another great part of Seattle, I spent the whole next day shopping after we were done. I spent Saturday because yep, I was you. going home Saturday, st- staying with my cousin out in West Seattle. I spent a lot a, of time hopped on a plane, hopping through the regular stores. I went and shopped. You posted a lot yeah. of photos. Man, it was awesome. It was, uh, it was really fun. I, I want to go back there again, but I, I went to a very iconic place. I bought a lot of Christmas presents for the kids. Jay on the chat board said, drink, Barney shopping. <laughs> <laughs> I bought several presents uh, for the wife and for the kids. Christmas gifts? Yeah, Christmas gifts. Found lots of good stuff. Uh, Also decided that I want to change my sock collection. I'm going to go away from the white socks all the time. I got to get some more stylish socks. There's so many issues with what you just said. Uh, I went into a Seattle music store. Saw that photo? Easy Street Records. Yep. Rather famous Seattle music store, and and famous for a lot of reasons, but including the performances of unknown bands prior to them being known. But we'll also... Unknown bands that you, you'd think, oh, I'm going to see a Yellow Dog tonight mm-hmm. at Easy Street Records. Uh-huh. You show up to Easy Street, Yellow Dog happens to be Pearl Jam. Nice. Pearl Jam performs under other names 
including their own at times, but yeah, other, yeah. other names randomly at Easy Street Records. Makes perfect sense. They're in West Seattle. So you get a chance to go to West Seattle, go check it out. Uh, really a cool kind of a throwback shop. They have an eatery in there. You can have lunch. Uh, check out records and DVDs. And, That's cool. Uh, DVDs of music. Yeah. Uh, really a, a neat shop. Had I didn't realize you had that much time Saturday yeah. before your flight. I was there till my flight was at 4.30, so oh, I was okay. there till 2.30. And my cousin lives just over the hill from, from all that stuff. Yep. So, yeah, we're going through all kinds of cool little eclectic shops and stuff. Went into the, the pet stop, the pet store along the, the boulevard there. Getting gifts for your two new cats? Yeah, and I found a shark suit for a dog, and I almost bought a dog just to go with the shark suit. It was like a knitted shark suit you would put on a dog. Turns out my cousin in Boston posted a picture of her dog in one the day after Christmas. Nice. <laughs> nice. But I walk into this pet store, and they're cooking pet treats. They have, like, tasters. They're cooking fresh pet treats. What like you're you... walking through Costco? It smelled fantastic. Like I almost ate four pet treats. Of course. Because it's all like bacon and meat and, oh, man, sign me, me up for the tasters. Had me at bacon. You had me? <laughs> but I bought my son a pair of socks. They're high socks, and they just say in big block letters down both sides of each sock, cheese. We have a cat named Cheese, so I bought him the cheese socks. But you can buy bacon, like asparagus. Wow. Just kind of random yeah, stuff yeah. like that. I love eclectic stuff like that. I found a pair of Pumas that fit me. I'm kind of excited about that. So I ski. Yeah. <laughs> So I come home, and I bought a bunch of 6'8 clothing. I found a, a company when we were leaving our broadcast. I was walking by a booth. We're yep, on our way, rushing that. to the premiere of Court and Spark. I was coming to say something to you, and you said, Jeremy, this store is not for you. <laughs> <laughs> Standing next to two guys who are 6'8. They have this display out at ABCA convention. I bought one of everything. I literally did. I bought one of everything. I dropped like 400 and something dollars. How did you fit On it? the spot. How did you fit it coming back? Because your bag wasn't that big. I filled up the NetLive case. Nice. So I, I made everything get back here, but I bought a whole bunch of new clothing, was excited about that. On the net live. I come home. I, I'm wearing that stuff out. I take my son. I've got Pumas on. I've got the jeans. I've got you're the shirt. Hip. You're not wearing white socks anymore. I look cool. My son, Max, who's the stylish little guy, yep. he looks up at me and goes, you're, you're dressing like me. <laughs> he got all bitter. I'm like, I'm like, well, you're mini dad because his favorite thing is to imitate me. Yeah. And when he says something that he wants, he goes, that's it, no discussion, no debates. Because that's how you... Yeah, because that's what course. I tell him when I tell him that we're not talking about it. Of course. So he, he tells me that. So he says, he says you're, you're dressing like me. I go, well, I'm, I'm, I'm Big Max. You're mini dad, I'm Big Max. Nice. I go, how do you feel about me being Big Max? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> he's still, he's going to school, he's talking to his friends about it. He's like, should I be okay with this? Should I be upset? <laughs> is it good I dress like a nine-year-old? I don't, is that good? You know what it was that did it for him? The flat shoes. Because he's all about, if you're in athletic shoes, you're, you're looking kind of sporty. And I normally wear running shoes on a daily basis. But I was wearing Pumas. Because I have a hard time finding stylish shoes in a 14 or 15. Yeah. Most no, stylish shoes yep. end at 12 or 13. Correct. And I finally found a pair of decently stylish, not sneakers yep. shoes. And that's what it was. That's like the flat shoes. Yeah. Because here's the typical dad outfit. Either a button-up shirt that's not necessarily dressy; it's just a button-up shirt, short right. sleeve or long sleeve. Right. Jeans. Yes. And running shoes. It's the running shoes that make it not okay. Yeah, and they tuck in the shirt with the belt. Oh, it drives me crazy. Yeah. And it could be brown belt and black shoes that really drives me crazy, or vice versa. Yeah, I got grief for that once on a Colorado Springs photo shoot. Yeah, you can't. You you can't do it. It's not right. I don't know. You can't. No, Kevin. Okay. All right, I'll take your word for it. 
So you're, you're shopping at Forever 21 now is what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a bustier to go with the rest of my outfit. That's funny. <laughs> so we had, I had a good time in Seattle. I think we talked about it on the convention show, but I was obviously it was my, it was my first convention uh, for volleyball, and I was really impressed. I mean, everybody from the volleyball world was there, whether you were everybody. a club coach, a high school coach, a college coach, Sam. sponsors, sand people were there, USAB was there, athletes were there, indoor athletes were there. It was it was great. Yeah, there's nothing quite like it, and we say it every year at the convention show, especially but before. You got to go. If you're a volleyball person, yeah, I guess this just means we'll be there next year too. If you're a volleyball coach, you got to go there. It's Oklahoma City next year. Okay, see? I'm in. Uh, I I have some scheduling issues, but we'll see. Oh, you're out then. You Reed, might. You'll be there. Reed and I will go. <laughs> you have any cousins there? I can say I'm going to stay with, and then not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, way to bail out on that one. Uh, well, let's talk about how you. At first, I had my own room, and then next, I was sleeping on the couch, and then all of a sudden, there's little kids going to be jumping on my head. That's how that all went down. I told you I was underselling and overdelivering. You, no, you actually was, had a nice uh, other way around. You had a full rollaway bed, and not not a crappy one. I've slept on it. It's a nice full mattress bed. And my cousin rolls out. You're downstairs in the basement. It's quiet, calm. By the way, it's dark in Seattle. Even when we were there, it's, it was dark in the morning. But you've been okay. I know you're you're a hotel guy. You went and stayed with Reed Pretty and highball in it and you emptied the, the TNL bank account. Just sounds like jealousy to me. Yeah. No, I like my cousin. I remember the uh the movie premiere where you regretted uh I'm not regretted, but you uh, failed to inform me that it was black tie. <laughs> remember that? Remember that, Kevin? I had to go buy buy clothes so I could go to the premiere. Which by the way, here here's the thing. So I was told by the promoters of the movie, Court and Spark, which by the way, great premiere, lots of fun, well attended. Um, excellent movie, Court and Spark. Go and check it out right now. Uh, Court and Spark documentary. Uh, I was told that they wanted to be kind of a red carpet affair, which is I'm all I'm all for it. The problem is you invited volleyball people. True. So I saw people there in all manner of t-shirts, sweat tops. Yeah, because they're volleyball whatever. people. But I am not that volleyball person. I know. I blew it. I blew it. Yeah. I can't show up in uh, jeans and tennis shoes. I blew it. I, 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 I pulled it together. You did. You look good. Yep. And you have a new coat to boot. You yep. went to Nordstrom Rack. You know, you're out of town. Do a little shopping. Get something different in a different city. You look good. Yep. So I, I kind of... Oh, I need to bring you the bill. I need to bring the NetLive the bill for my jacket. We're out of money. <laughs> we bought a TNL dinner for everybody. We went out and did it up right at... That was uh, a nice dinner. Steakhouse. We took out Deb Static, Brandon Rosenthal, Reed, you, me, Bobble Magazine. Yep. Uh, who else Rosenthal. was there? Rosenthal's assistant. Yep. And her tag along. That was that was a lot of fun. We did a nice TNL dinner for the uh, the contributors. We wish that Matt Gardhoff was there. We wish Jay Hosick was there. If Jay Hosick was there, he was in. If Gardhoff was there, he was in. But uh, unfortunate that they were not there. I can't wait to hear from Jay and hear how uh, um his uh, where was he Mexico? Yeah, Mexico, Mexico. vacation went. Because obviously, you know, everybody he knew was probably in Seattle, but he was warm in Mexico having a good time. My drinks with tiny little umbrellas in the, in Mexico made up for it. That's Jay on the nice, chalkboard. Nice, nice, perfect. I watched a, a very interesting documentary over the last few days. I've been having all sorts of TiVo issues. Court and Spark? I watched that too. Uh, all kinds of TiVo issues with my, my cable service here. So I, I had to... Time Warner? Yeah, but there been blo- my TiVo blew up. I don't know. I oh, got okay. the green screen of death oh, on my TiVo. Nice. It was not good. 
But I started watching uh, more Netflix than I had been. And so I turned on Burn, which is a documentary about the Detroit Fire Department that I highly recommend. It's on Netflix now. Burn. Burn. Okay. Yeah, there's just about how they fight fires, the things they're struggling against, why there's so many fires in Detroit. Think about this. Detroit, 1970, population, 1.8 million people. Yep. Detroit, population, last year, whenever the documentary was made, a year and a half ago, 700,000. That's they, 1.1 million people gone. Are they trying to get rid of them? Or? <laughs> yeah, with the economy and, well, they, and the, urban blight. and yeah. It's a downward spiral, no jobs. Unemployment in the area, you know, it's in, I think it was, what was it, during the recession, like 25%? Oh, like their percentage is higher. 16 yeah, or it's something. Ridiculous. It's it's crazy. So they have all these abandoned buildings, and people just love to set them on fire. So that's what happens. You have neighborhoods where get, half the homes are burned down. Get the insurance money. And these used to be nice homes. No, just for fun. Got nothing else to do. They said that, you know, watching a house burn is still less expensive than going to a movie. Yeah. Get, get a gallon of gas, light it on fire inside a vacant. There you go. Keep you warm, too, especially because <laughs> it's negative something there right now. But uh, but interesting to watch, burn, to watch huh? these guys fight fires. Yeah, burn. I caught up. I realize I'm decently far behind on The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. So I got the latest season on Netflix, and I powered through that really quickly. Which, it's not the this season. That's the last season. They were in the prison. In w- yeah. And they were fighting the governor. Yeah, Woodbury. Yeah. That's as far as I've gotten. Yeah, buddy. Woodbury's a freaky place, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And Andrea's stuck in Woodbury and kind of got no, the, I got the, the wool I got pulled the, over her eyes. I got to the end of that. Okay. Season, yeah, so I know, yeah. I don't know. If, if, you know spoiler alert. Spoiler somebody alert. wants to mute us for the next 10 seconds. But, uh, yeah, they basically ran off everybody in that town, but the uh, governor's still No, MIA. the governor killed a bunch of folks. No, I know, but he's MIA. Yeah, he point. is MIA. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where, that's where, <laughs> that's where I'm at. A testament to the actor who's portraying the governor. I saw him on Talking Dead. Yeah. Which is the after show yeah, that yeah, they do yeah. on, on, was it TLC? AMC. AMC. Yep. And uh, I saw him and they introduced him and I was like, ooh, I hate you. Yeah, <laughs> I hate you. And then you saw him you're like, oh, he's a really nice guy. <laughs> oh, I just, when he started talking, I was like, oh, you're bad. That's you, You're bad news, man. So, testament to his accent. Funny how that uh, translates over. Oh, yeah. Just can't stand that. Does he have an accent? Because... Lately, I've been discovering actors I really like that have some British accent that I had no clue that they were... Like, I just didn't know because I don't look into their character off screen. And I hear him in an interview, and I was like, oh, that's your real voice? Andrew Lincoln. Rick. Oh, is he... Uh, He's British or Australian. Interesting. I think it's British. The guy from... Heavy uh, accent. Really? Yeah. That's great. The yeah. guy, I don't know if you... Uh, Sons of Anarchy. Jax, the blonde-haired kid. Yeah, uh, Charlie Hunneman. Yeah. Uh, he's British, I think, and he Is has he? a super huge accent. And I was, I was listening to an interview. I was like, "What? <laughs> what? What's happening right now?" Saw the Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, what'd you think? Over the break. Yeah, excellent. People who are complaining about it, shut your pie hole. But they're not complaining about. They're complaining about the message, not necessarily that the movie is bad. Well, uh, the message. I mean, I I want to start a penny stock firm. Did I get the message right? I'm opening my own penny stock trading. Company. Good luck to you. I think I got the. I think I got the message right. <laughs> no, I. I think I read the other day. Jonah Hilson was giving him grief about his character and and the movie and this and that. But the movie I think set a record for a single film. Five hundred and six times they used the word fuck. Really? Five hundred and six yeah. times. No, that's not what I'm upset about. We're just throwing f bombs now around on the show. Well, just I, let it get through open, and now we're just letting it go. No, because if that's the case, Kevin, I will. 
I'm using it in context. Okay. The sorry, the F word. The F word. Yeah. Five hundred people. Times. People are hammered right now. It's their first day back to work. They've already had three shots, and they are <laughs> they are hammered right now. They drank all the extra eggnog yeah. last night because it was in the fridge, and they were thinking about throwing it away, but couldn't do it because it's so expensive. When it gets to the point where people listen to the show just to drink, that's when they're going to know they have a problem. <laughs> what are you doing today? Oh, I'm tuning in the lab because I got to get my drink on. <laughs> Five hundred and six times. It's a lot. A lot of if you're going to be offended by either language or nudity, it is not the movie for you. If you oh, Wolf of Wall Street, yeah. No, if sure. you don't mind the language and you enjoy some nudity, I had a good time at the film. Well, that's what Scorsese does. It's all about excess, right? In the eighties, you look at all of his movies. And this was about excess. This was. Yeah. This was awesome. So I'm Did gonna... it make you angry because Wall Street is just crushing our economy? No, I've known that for years. No, I know, but like seeing it like that kind of movie, like does it make you... No, I'm telling you, I want to open my own penny stock firm. <laughs> I want to go the other way. That's like awesome. the Lamborghinis, the helicopters, the chicks, I'm down. I'm in. Count me in. Like as Jonah Hill says in the, in the movie, you made $70,000, you show me a pay stub, I'll quit my job right now. Yeah. That's, that's me. I'll quit my job right now. I'm in. <laughs> So I'm not sure I got the message right. Yeah, you went the uh, negative route with it. Yeah. yeah. Also saw Dallas Buyers Club. Heard that was good. Matthew McConaughey. And mind you, Matthew McConaughey has a short part in Wolf of Wall Street. And he must have done them at the same time because he is skinny. That's what they say, yeah. I'm not a fan. I, I'm not, it's tough for me because I'm not a big fan of his acting skills because he can't act. I thought you did a great job but at that's, Dallas I, Buyers that's Club. That's what I heard. You don't even know it's him. At times, you're looking at it's not even it's not even him. He's so skinny. Yeah, but he he does a great job with the character. Really a good film. I'd recommend it to anybody. I have a friend who's on the the uh, awards stuff here. You know, it's awards season. It's not Academy Awards. It's the other one, uh, Screen Actors Guild Awards. I think SAG Awards. And so we get we get benefit of seeing films with them. And uh, I have some other some other films to see. Twelve Years a Slave and The Butler. I'm going to watch those sometime soon. Can't do 12 Years a Slave. It's going to be a little brutal, like Amistad on steroids. I don't know. I mean, I know what happens. Yeah. It, obviously, like, it's it, it's how people are treated. I can't. I just can't deal with it. Like, seeing racism in movies, like, I get physically angry. Like, my body temperature heats up. Like, I get, yeah. it, it really upsets me. It bothers me. I can't, I won't be able to do that movie. It's nasty stuff. Can't do it. Nasty, nasty stuff. Uh, but I've, I've seen those two films. I recommend them both. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street is a little more gratuitous, a little more fun. Yeah, yeah it's got a message in it, but uh, I, I think it's just a, a very entertaining film. The other one, uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. I think you ought to see. It's, it's good. I think I will. It's a, it's a DVD for me. Yeah, but Matthew McConaughey, even if you don't care. For yeah, I'll, he, I know, I'll see it. He does a great job, and I think he's up for some awards for that one. I think he's up for uh, Academy Awards. Because that, that one's one. about when AIDS really came to the forefront and he was bringing drugs back and forth from Mexico because they weren't really legal in the United States yet, correct? Yeah, it deals with some of the issues with the FDA and, yeah. the, and treatment of AIDS and, and different medications that were available at the time. It's, uh, it's an excellent film. Uh, I recommend it to anyone out there who has an opportunity to see it. It may still be in theaters somewhere, uh, but the, the DVD will be out shortly, and I, I think you ought to check it out. Let's take a short break here on the okay. Net Live. We'll be right back. We're going to have Reed Pretty. In yeah. studio. We got him off the golf course and brought him in studio, and we'll have the Netty Awards as well as College Volleyball Weekly. First episode, 2014, year six, underway. Go! 
Jeremy, who's this? I, I recognize it. She sings a song called Royals. Oh, that's Lord. Yep. Oh. That's a little more, uh, I don't know, produced or a little more, there's a little more to it than a lot of her other stuff. Or the other two songs I've heard, I should say. I'm not sure the words coming out of your mouth are really what you're trying to say. but No, I'm trying to think of it. It's got, it's got a little more groove to it, maybe. A little more poppy? A little poppy, yeah. It's really pretty. Yep. Welcome to the show, Reed. contribution of uh, 2014, 2014. In the studio. When you shut down your Iron Man-powered vehicle, do you have to take the gold medal out so no one else can start it? Did you bring it in? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's also uh, doubles as a, as a key fob. <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing like the flux capacitor sitting I'm behind him. I'm also envisioning the car in. being invisible outside. Like you can't see it. Like it's unless hovering. you just like ran into it, like you would have no idea it's out there. Well, it's 10 feet high. It's yeah. actually hovering and invisible. Yep. It's kind of like Wonder Woman's jet. <laughs> Except I'm just for hoping it's still there because I was I parked it right in between uh, the recycle bins. Yeah. And the guy was coming up the road. I don't think they're that careful, those guys. <laughs> but I think you know if you, you park mean? it between, it's when you block it is when I get nervous. Like I will move my car a block away so I'm not blocking the trash cans because yeah. I I, I, they have a tough job. They got the claw that comes And like out. if they wheel that thing across the hood of my car, I, I kind of get that. I'm thinking those guys are like European bus drivers because you know this, Reed. We would get in the bus in Europe and at some point you think, this guy's just showing off. Like he's putting the bus through spaces. You, it's not going to fit. There's no way we're going down this street. Tokyo too. We're not going down this street. And he's just cruising 35. <laughs> knifing it up. You're like, dude, you're just showing off. Are we on two wheels right now? Are we leaned over on like a big Greyhound bus? Yeah. <laughs> I like to take care of those guys every once in a while because it, when they don't show, it's bad news. I don't know if, you yeah, know. Yeah, it was where you're, you're not going anywhere. Over the new year, they, uh, I don't know if we missed the day, all of us neighbors, they must have not come. But I mean, a week's worth of recycles, next thing you oh know, it's God, just yeah. it's the wrong time too <laughs> at Christmas time. So, well, the holidays always push it back a day or forward a day. The trash is out for three days. I'm like, I don't know what. I'm just going to put it outside, and hopefully somebody will get it eventually. <laughs> Thankfully, in America, we don't have garbage men striking. I mean, I, I've problems. had to live through. Oh, like I've France? had to live through that in really? Greece, really? actually. Oh. Interesting. We're talking a couple weeks. Oh, it just geez. gets ridiculous. The that's whole place you, has got to smell. Like yeah. the, that's and it's just realize, piles of trash on the road. So you realize all the things that we take for granted. Oh, yeah. Things like that happen. It's like late 18th century, early 1900s New York. Like uh, gangs in New York kind of thing. There's trash everywhere. It literally is squalor for a lot of those places. You know what's happening now, too? Not to totally go rabbit trail on this trash thing, <laughs> but uh, my wife saw it recently. I've seen it recently. Somebody just opens up a wrapper or finishes their in and out and chucks it out the window. Yeah. Oh, I've seen that years ago, yeah. I know. But, I mean, like, that was, like, years ago, maybe. But, like, come on. Are we better now? Or are we getting worse to where, like, in their right mind, what is, what is that person thinking? I Somebody th- else is going to pick it up? I think or? about when I was a teenager. I remember friends of mine, like McDonald's or whatever, like, because you didn't want it in the car because we're not going on a long road trip. They throw it out the window. But as a teenager, I'm just like, even at that time, I was like, no, that's still not no, cool. No, it's not right. Yeah. Not right. No, no, I want a cattle guard on my car at that point so I can just ram them. Just or in Reed's car, because it's obviously a cop car, you can get on the CB or the Seriously. the mic. And uh, like, yeah. Excuse me, sir. Uh, uh, can you pull over, please? Uh, there's uh, some trash on the side of the road. I'm going to need you to pick up. Thank you. <laughs> By the way, I would use that all the time. Oh, yeah. You'd be on that thing constantly. <laughs> That's my parking spot. Or like in the hangover. Ma'am, you have a nice rack. <laughs> Oh, we're completely off the rails yeah. there. Yeah, this is a volleyball show? 
Sorry, Reed, Kevin's already cursed like five times, so the show's... Speaking of law enforcement doing yeah. their job, uh, so Lindsay is where she's shopping in Nordstrom's. In Seattle? Or Nordstrom. <laughs> no, uh, that was you and I. Yes, it was. <laughs> and you did get a nice Yes, I did. Thank in. you. And she left her phone at the counter. Okay. Guy behind her rolls in, puts his wallet on top, swipes it. And uh, so whatever, we, we, we check it out on surveillance. They wouldn't tell us, but they basically said, you need to call the police. It's not coming back. And, and so we met with the cop, and uh, sure enough, they find the guy. Wow. I don't know. It's pending. Can you do find your phone? Well, see, that's the thing is you can do all those things, which is awesome because you basically brick the phone. Yeah. But these guys know that. So within 15 minutes or probably within 90 seconds of swiping it, he's turning it off, taking the SIM card out. And then at that point, he's got to link up to a network. And I'm sure that he's going to try to give it to somebody to hack in. Yeah. Whatever. But. Man, I felt really bad bringing this cop out there, but I wanted to get the police report for insurance reasons, you know, if, if I could get reimbursed for these phones that are so expensive. How'd they find him? Uh, that, that's what I don't know. Is he, he, I, I met with the guy. He was super cool, the cop. They saw him on video, he was though, right? Yeah. He, he was, could have been wanted for something else, too. Like, could have been if they saw him on video. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Nordstrom had a, a track record of this guy's purchases no. or whatever because he did a cash transfer after us, a return. But, uh, you know, he was basically like, look, we're really backed up. Like, this is not on the... Yeah, he's like, uh, he's like, it's a phone. Even sir. in Huntington Beach, they've got a couple other things happening. We saw right. you driving your invisible car, sir. We're not worried about your cell phone. <laughs> and I felt terrible because I'm like, dude, there's way more important things you should be doing right now. But, yeah. man, good for them for finding that guy. Nice. Pretty awesome. Well, there's a good cop story because I'm a little irritated with cops in uh, general. Here we go. They pulled you over for driving in your uh, rocket that no, you bought? I have not been pulled over in the blue... Blue flame jet car that I now own. No, uh, I just, I guess for me, it, it goes back to Columbine. And I watched that unfold from Belgium. I was living in Belgium. I turn on CNN because that's the only thing you have over there during the day till the English TV comes on at night. Nervous about the story. Well, I, I turn it on and, and you're watching the cops mill around outside. Yeah. And then, of course, I'm overseas, so I'm reading everything about it. I'm kind of a news junkie anyway. So I'm reading all this stuff about it, and it turns out, you know, kids are dying. That teacher dies in the closet after being in the closet for 12 hours or 10 hours or however long it was. Um, maybe it was six hours. But it, stuff like that, it, it made me angry because these guys, they're always calling the house for donations for bulletproof vests and for this and for that and, you know, cops and what they do for people. And I go... This is your job. When something like this happens, you rush your, yourself into that building. You signed up for this problem. Like, you get in that building and you fix this. You find the people, you gun them down, and then you rescue everybody. That's your job. You don't sit outside going, I don't know what we do here. I don't know. While they're in the school blowing stuff up or shooting things. I'm going to mute Kevin for a second. Read. Um, there's a lot more that goes into that, Kevin. Yeah, you're muted. Yeah. He's 100% Here, muted right now. I will Here's the thing, though. I think uh, it, I think it has more to do with our judicial system than it does with the cops. I think it has to do with the liability. They get in trouble for And things. the checklist, is for the same reason that we send troops overseas to fight a war that they're not allowed to shoot in. I mean, we're going, we're going deep stupid. now. Also stupid. Yeah. So, I mean, it's I'm one of those things. Like, is either. it really them that don't, don't want to go in? I'm pretty sure all those guys Lone, probably want to Survivor. go in there. Lone Survivor movie coming out. Yeah. yeah, I read the book. The whole thing where... They were allowed to shoot, though. Well, the, it comes down to, we kill these two, we walk out. 
And they didn't. And, and they, they didn't, and they don't. And that's the gist of it, right? And there's no spoiler in that, I guess. Yeah. But, or, but oh, there is, because I haven't seen the movie yet. But that's well, that, the preview that's, shows you that, though. That's where we're headed. We're littering, and we're giving rights to criminals. You know, if somebody breaks into a house and falls on a knife, you know the story. I admire the... All the uh, knives Kevin has lined up on the floor uh, right. for people walking. <laughs> right, right next to the fake cat poop. <laughs> he can get sued for everything. I, I, admire, I admire those men for the, the choice they made not to take another human life in that situation. However, that yeah. said... I'm in the mountains. I'm stuck there like that. You're killing a kid. You better believe those people aren't leaving. <laughs> if it, if it's them or me, that I mean that really that's what these guys are faced with. And I, and fight or flight. I can't imagine the choices that routinely these troops are faced with, where it's kill somebody and deal with the aftermath, your own emotional, the emotional toll of taking another human life. Yep. Or risking your own to a, a massive level. I can't imagine that. But. They've actually changed the protocol since Columbine because that happened, because that's exactly what the cops did was mill around outside and not go in. They also don't know what to do. You're They've going changed. into a school with a loaded machine gun. Like, that would make me nervous, period. But that's their job. No, but I'm saying, but you have kids. Like, I'm still going into school with a loaded machine gun. Yeah, I don't care. but that's their job. That's what they signed up for. They, they didn't sign up for $50,000 a year. Sitting out here on PCH writing tickets for people being five over. They're not, I mean, they're, they're basically around here in these beach cities. They are tax collectors with weapons. That's what they are. They, there are. There's no serious crime happening here the majority of the time. That one time, though, you're going to be happy that they're here. I ex- well, and, and I agree, but I expect them to rush themselves in and do their job. That's what I'm saying. If you're going to sit out here and write tickets because I'm going 95 down to 35, fine. Then you better rush your body into the school building when there's a real problem. Or you better run into the, the mall when there's a real problem because you're signed up for that. This extra stuff where you're collecting money for the city and trying to, in Colorado Springs, they used to run right along my exit on the freeway. Yeah. You'd see five cop cars lined up. Some guy's sitting up about a half a mile with the gun. He shoots the gun, and somebody runs off the, the uh, on-ramp to pull the guy over. And they had a, a million-dollar budget shortfall in the city. This is even before things collapsed worse. A million-dollar budget shortfall. And in the first four months of the year, they had already written more that, tickets than they had the entire previous year. And they asked the guy on the news, they asked the city controller or the mayor about this. He goes, oh, no, no, the enforcement has nothing to do with, with the budget shortfall. My ass. No way. It's exactly what you're doing. You're taxing people to, because you don't have enough money in the city. So you're using the police as tax collectors. So it better cut both ways. We need to start a political show. And by we, we mean you. <laughs> <laughs> what we need to do is talk about your new ra- roommate downstairs. My new roommate. In the bathroom. We've got to open a window or something down there. Oh, nobody's been cleaning the cat box. Is that a new cat or? Oh, the same cat. Two, up- no, no. That cat's toast. He has two new uh, young cats. Yeah. yeah. Nobody cleaned the cat box this morning. It's not good. Yeah, we need to take care of that. What did you do your forehead? I ran into a door. <laughs> what? Look out, Olympian operating here. Let's, let's rewind that a second. I might have made up a new story. I would have been like, Matt Anderson hit me with his other elbow in the face. <laughs> that was Max Holt. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so a door. You ran into a door. Were you saving, was, it, was it dark? It's you, not the first time. Were you saving your child from something? You know, it might was the house on fire? I actually think it's it left overs from the injury, my peripheral vision no, okay. after that elbow. Okay. I run into a lot more things these days. Do we have Brandon Rosenthal? 615? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, we got to get to him. 
Is he calling to uh, tell me about my trip itinerary to uh, Nashville? Can we get College Volleyball Weekly music, please? Yeah. We're going to play this I twice. I thought we were just going to bring it in. No, we gotta we got to do the music. College it's all got to happen. When do we get to volleyball? Is that coming? Nah, not today. Yeah, isn't that why you drove up here to do the not video Not today. We're not even doing it yet. First episode of the year features very little volleyball, but the little that it does involves the College Volleyball Weekly brought to you by the American Volleyball Coaches Association. And we want to bring back Brandon Rosenthal one more time to talk about the women's season because we last time you heard from us, it was in between semifinals before Penn State took home their 463rd victory. Please welcome to the Net Live once again, Brandon Rosenthal. Rose. What's up, boys? What's happening? So we'll get you know, to uh, and his, uh, his restaurant tour of Nashville here shortly. That's right. That's right. But I want to go. I want to go all the way back to Wisconsin because it looked like it might be a match. It looked like it might go five. Then all of a sudden, Micah. Yeah, I mean it's uh, one of those deals. I mean, as a coach and and whatnot, you know. It's got to be comforting looking and and realizing that your best server is rotating to the front row at the absolute perfect time, or excuse me, to the serving line at the absolute, you know, perfect time. And, and, uh, you know, she didn't disappoint. I mean, it was unbelievable. Uh, I had a chance at the convention. I didn't talk to you guys about this, but I had a chance to talk with one of the line judges uh, from the semifinal match. And we were just kind of in passing. We've seen each other a lot, whatnot. And I asked her, I said, with Hancock serving, because she's serving into her on one side of the court, I said, do you see the movement? And she said, you know, we're just watching for the, you know, ball and line and things like that, she said. But it's amazing to see her serve. And, uh, you know, that's a professional right there. And, uh, you know, talking about that. So I loved it. I called it. Penn State, and uh, they got it done. I beat Deb Static, and uh, <laughs> you know, essentially beat all you guys. So a big suck at you guys for uh, bagging on me all year. And I came through at the end when it counted the most, as Reed I said pretty, I would. Reed Pretty will remember this as I do. Unfortunately, facing uh, Sartoretti of Italy, and the left-handed serve very similar to that of Micah Hancock. And that thing just eating up uh, Eric Sullivan, myself, and I think you, read uh, in service reception towards the end of our match with Italy in the 2004 Olympic Games. Started already, he's uh, 57 years old at the time, but still ripping the jump serve. I think actually he was 40 or 38 or 39, and he was just crushing the jump serve. That thing is so hard to handle. Uh, but it just seemed like, Brandon, that things got going for Penn State, and this is a team that you cannot let... Uh, let them start to roll and let them start to play in transition the way they did in both the semis and throughout a substantial portion of the finals. What is it about that team that makes them so dangerous? I think it's, you know, I think you really got to look at not only just this national championship, but their past national championships, how Russ deals with them, the confidence that they play with. And, you know, the idea that, you know, in two sets, uh, Wisconsin was up, you know, late, and, uh, you know, for one reason or another or one way or another, you know, Penn State found a way back. And, you know, Wisconsin, as being their first time there, I think the experience showed, you know, from Penn State's side. 
And, uh, you know, I think, you know, everybody wants to talk about all these big hitters and things like that. And, and you look at Penn State, they're, you know, they just play great team volleyball. And when I say team volleyball, you know, the right people come up with the right plays at the right time. And, you know, we always talk about do your job. And ultimately that's what you had to do and that's what Penn State did. Uh, you know, I think that in today's day and age, that gets lost a lot is the ability to do your job and know that your teammates are going to do theirs at the same time. So pretty cool to see from a coach's standpoint. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I just had a feeling with what Penn State was doing you know, late in the year and then, you know, into the tournament, just too tough to, you know, beat. And props to Jeff Fields and his team. Uh, you know, the Wisconsin Badgers, what a, what a great tournament for them. And, uh, you know, it's hard, you know, to talk about that final without talking about how great they were. And Carlini, you know, really showed why she's a special player. Their defense was great. So, you know, props to them. But at the end, the more experienced team won. And, yeah, uh, you know, I, I would have a hard time believing that Sheffield would say anything, you know, different than that. The defense of Wisconsin was excellent throughout the tournament, throughout definitely that final four. Uh, but you look at set four, 23-20, they're leading, and give it back 25-23 on the strength of that serving from Micah Hancock. Uh, you know they have to kick it themselves. Congratulations to Katie Slay, Deja McClendon, entire state team, Ariel Scott. It's good for McClendon and Slay, I think, don't they? Uh, they're both seniors. They bookend their careers with national championships. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You talk about Slay when she, you know, Deja McClendon was the most outstanding player as a freshman, you know, in that tournament. And Slay will be remembered as the person that did everything she could but only hit one ball in the final. Uh, you know, it was crazy. It, you know, her freshman year, she blocked balls like, you know, crazy, but didn't have to do anything more than that. And then on the very last ball, she hit this overpass to win it all. And, uh, you know, I looked around back then and was like, was that her only kill? And there might have been one other one, but, I mean, it was, it was you know, her numbers weren't huge. So, uh, you know, really impressive careers and, uh, you know, hats off to them. Congratulations to Russ Rose, named Coach of the Year, rightfully so, once again, as he wins the national championship for the 85th time with the Nittany and Lions. Congratulations to Brandon Rosenthal for winning the, you know, bracket challenge. Are you sure? No. I think I had Penn State winning my challenge. Just good. Challenge. Ch- challenge. Challenge. I wonder who won the challenge. <laughs> I won the challenge. Randy, let's uh, let's look forward to 2016 for the fall. Hold on. Yeah, what what is going on? Are you inside a potato chip bag? What's (laughs) happening right now? I'm sorry. I've got the team coming over for a little lunch, and uh, I was preparing it for them. I'm sorry. My bad. And vacuuming and cleaning his room. Man, it's Todd Rogers. Todd Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Todd Rogers doing dishes. (laughs) All right, I'm done. Before you get your team over there for a post-clear-out-the-fridge uh, celebration after the holidays, tell me about 2014. Penn State seems to lose a lot, uh, but teams like Wisconsin don't. Who of the, of the top four, maybe the, the last eight, do you think are really going to be back and be strong in 2014? I think, you know, anytime Carlini is playing, 
you've got to be looking. I think she's that much of a difference maker. You know, I think 2014 is going to be another year of parity. I think you're going to see more uh, teams that we've never heard, you know, a whole lot from in the past that are going to continue to break into it. Uh, you're going to see more stories about, you know, the Americans, not the the uh, country, but the school. Uh, you know, and you're going to see more of those stories. It's here to stay. Parity is not going away, uh, you know, in college volleyball. Teams like USD, teams like Colorado picked up big victories. Of course, Colorado and Utah making the tournament once again. Uh, Brandon mentioned American University going a couple deep into the tournament. Big deal for them. I think about USC. I think USC is going to be good again, although they have the real questions now with the loss of Alexis Olgart in the middle, who had a tremendous season, and Natalie Hagland, who has just exemplified libero for the last few years. They lose her at the libero spot. It will be interesting to see how they're able to get the ball up and run the offense, but they have three incredible outside hitters they can run it through. It's going to be a rough go if you're facing against the USC. Uh, Texas will be a team in transition, I think. That'll be interesting to watch. Who else is uh, who else in there? Penn State's going to be in transition. Illinois, maybe. They had a good late-season run. Maybe Illinois is, is back in 2014. And what about UCLA? Yeah, Does yeah. UCLA come back in 2014? You know, the one thing that I'm interested to see, especially when it comes to Texas, is what changes with their game plan? You know, uh, I've, I've read some things where uh, Jared has said, hey, I want to go faster and things like that. And, you know, does that semifinal performance let him go back and say, wait a second, you know, and, and take a look at the Wisconsins of the world and, uh, you know, you know, look a little, delve a little bit deeper into it. You know, for years now, uh, Texas has said, hey, we're going to go tall. We're going to go big and nothing wrong with it. They've done a fantastic job with it. You know, but now all of a sudden you got teams, you know, like Wisconsin that are are bringing five foot eight outside hitters and five foot eleven middles and just winning with speed. And then it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens now, especially with more parity in the game. Uh, I think it's something that you can't overlook anymore. Definitely will be interesting to watch. This was another great season of women's volleyball. I expect similar growth in just popularity and attention next year, especially with the continuation of networks like the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, and just the amount of television that's available and exposure for these women, and the level continues to go straight up as far as the quality of play throughout NCAA women's volleyball. Brandon, thanks for calling in. Enjoy the party. Yeah, hey, you guys, I just I just want you to know the dedication I've got. It is nine degrees, and I am grilling burgers here. Wow. Uh, and that's outside. outside. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's what, that's what happens when you come to Nashville. So, Reed, you know, uh, when you come, I'm going to pull out all the stops of Roche. I'd love yep. to have you. I really enjoyed, you know, getting to hang with you and uh, learning about all the things you do, but uh, come to Nashville. Let's do this. Uh, let's bring the net live to Nashville. That's what we need to do. Rocho uh, in Nashville. Barnett, mm-hmm. you have no excuses. Make it happen. Guest uh, appearance by Raina James. Make it happen. Oh, Raina James. Yeah, yeah. That's, That's Barnett's girl. girl. That's my girl right there. That is my mulligan right there. That is. Let, let's, let's do this. Let's try to get you guys on the show. Let's that come here. You guys could do the net live, and then you could have guest appearances on Nashville. If if I can get a hug from the coach's wife slash Raina James. Oh, boy. Oh, yes. Yes. 
Kevin. I mean, stalking is not it. a crime, Tennessee, is Kevin it? is now not invited. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we go to Judge Beans, I'm in. Judge Beans is done. Shrimp Diablo. Right. Let's do it. All right. Brandon Rosenthal, thanks very much for the whole season. I'm sure we'll talk to you throughout the springtime. Absolutely, guys. Have a good one. Happy uh, All right. 2014. All right, happy 2014, nine degrees. That's brutal down in Tennessee. Man, man, nine degrees. He's wearing that thin, uh, it looks like um, uh, tin foil that you wrap yourself in to keep yourself warm. <laughs> yeah. a fireproof blanket. Survival like, suit. That's what Brandon Rosenthal was in right now, cooking burgers in nine degrees outside. You want to make sure we congratulate Concordia St. Paul on their national championship in women's division two. They defeat BYU Hawaii, who defeated my brother's team at West Texas A&M in the semifinals despite trailing 11-8 in the fifth. They then went on to be bashed 3-0 by Concordia St. Paul in the national championship. And I'm remembering this correctly. I think that is the seventh in a row for Concordia St. Paul. Seventh in a row. Wow. I believe. I have to look up the, the record book here and see who... Who's been champion here? Concordia. The Concordia that's close to us here? And no, this is Concordia St. Paul is in Minneapolis, St. Oh, Paul. Okay. Not, uh, not Concordia University down here where Dan Fisher right. was. I think, I think it's different. You know, I connected with Fisher at the AVCA uh, Coaches Convention, which was awesome to see him. And, and uh, he reminded me that we were overlooking his 75-2 and two, two seasons <laughs> in national championship. <laughs> So let's just throw out another plug for that. Even though it was a year ago, he's now at the, uh, I think, the University of Pitt. Pittsburgh, yep. So, yeah, good job, Dan. Nice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and look it up here. Let's take a short break so I can look this up, Jeremy. We'll come back with more NetLive, and uh, we'll do some netties. Has, okay. has Rosenthal won a netty yet? I think he was fifth man of the year. That's down to third man of the year. I don't know if you're aware. Yeah, I heard, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, uh, he was fifth man of the year two years ago. At this point, I've got to be in the running for a third man. I'm no longer a staple. No, your name's in the third man of the year. Run. <laughs> but you're, you're like the Academy. You want to release the films really, Whoa. really late. And what's your definition of running? Like, I'm in the running. Like, what, what does that mean? Someone mentioned his name in a oh, discussion okay. All right. one time. Okay. We'll be back then at live.
body, so I put in the hours and move the boat to the dealer and I found the car. She never took a bargain with the skis or got the keys and as I was leaving, I started screaming. White hopes in the backseat starting She doing line after line like she writing rhymes I had it in hell in my love trying to blow her mind Got her like pimp and my uncle was on 14, I stole the keys, me and my niggas was gone Still abortions of his liquor, water in his Patron Driver smiling like I won a fucking lottery, homes uh, yeah. Tires with the spokes on it, in the boat too Mustard and mayonnaise, keeping the buns all on my dolls Hanging out the window, youngest who was frontin' like a ball Trying to fuck them all, never fuck the whip, see what's poppin' at the mall Need a bad boot, left a booty with my paw Had a hypnotized, gripped the leather steering wheel where I gripped the thighs. See the love stuck up in the eyes. Maybe she liked the ride, or did she like the smoke? Or did she want to love? Cause this shit a cool to feel, so you never know. So we cool for minutes, my the limit. Got a window tennis, but I'm a gangster, and it's like the gas is finished. You. Welcome back to the Net Live, and yeah, check the chat board. That's a good call because sometimes the chat board goes away from in front of me. Looking it up during the break. Congratulations, Brady Starkey. I think we had him last year on the show, and we just but I can't ever remember when we have people on the show. But uh, Brady Starkey, thirty wins every year since two thousand three, seven straight national championships. Uh, and like he's been there eleven years. And I don't care how many, what division you're in, who you're playing. Seven in a row, if anything, is a lot. 2007 through the present. Are you kidding me? A 36-match active NCAA postseason win streak going into the year, so they extended that this year. Wow. They've won 40-plus postseason matches consecutively. We are, above, are we above Penn State at this point? Let me ask you this question. If you're doing that in D2, has he been getting a look from other schools? Oh, no doubt. They, does he, he turns them down? Maybe, maybe they're just taking care of him there. We need to get maybe he's got the family. We need to get spot. him on the show. Yeah, we need to get. We'll get him. We'll make it happen. I think we had Brady before, but if not, we'll uh, we will endeavor to get him in the next couple of weeks. Here, he's got to have some time on his hands. The Golden Bears. What does their mascot look like? Uh, he's kind of. I don't know. He kind of looks like a cereal box. Well, Can you see buff. him in a cereal he box? He looks friendly, but he looks like one of those. Like he's kind of buff, so it's like he could turn on you at any second. He's in a hurry. Yeah, that's a good point. He's like the semi-domesticated wild animal that you, you keep your baboon. But turn on you, but only turkey. if you do something bad to him. You know? well, or maybe not. I don't know. Touch his paws the wrong way? Don't take the splinter out right? Touch his paw the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. There you go. We have College Football Weekly for Women's coming up. Do we want? Let's, let's start into some netties, perhaps. You want to start into a, a throw little? A couple, throw a couple in there? You want to throw a couple netties? Sure. Throw a couple of nitties. Now, nominate a category for me here. Um, the first on my list, uh, best newcomer men, women, national teams. Best newcomer. Yep. Now, that's the first on your list? 
Yes. I thought you didn't like that category. I only because I only have one answer for it. Okay. Well, if you have one answer, let's hear it. It would be the kid's name who I can't remember. The setter from USC. So you have zero answers to it. No, I, I have one answer. It. Thank you, Reed. I have one answer. And on the women's side, like I don't know. I have no idea because they have 96 million people in the gym. So I don't know who's new. And if there is something new in the gym today, how much they contribute. I think there are two easy answers to these questions. Okay. Micah Christensen, yes. You're welcome. Micah Christensen wins Newcomer of the Year uh, to the men's national team. If you step in three-quarters of the way through the summer, become the starting setter, start at the qualifying tournament as well as the big world tournament for the year. Yep. And then you've got to go back to school. That's something special. And the way people talk about Mike Christensen is something special. I will start to see him next week in action in college. And he better be awesome. <laughs> Warning to you, Mike Christensen. If you're not awesome, I'm watching you. Kevin Barnett is going to be extremely, extremely upset. I am watching you, Mike Christensen. But, no, congratulations to him on a great year. Came in, played exceptionally well. And uh, I'm, I'm impressed. And I look forward to, uh, to more years of great play by Micah Christensen. On the women's side. I dominated. Uh, He dominated. Can we get a he dominated? If you say it. On the other side, Kim Hill. Yes, I know she's from Pepperdine. I know. First year on the national team. Uh Led the national team in points. Led the national team in scoring. You do that, you get that award. Newcomer of the year, Kim Hill, women's national team. Outside hitter. Outside hitter. Thank you. Read pretty. First of all, my exposure level <laughs> is not comprehensive enough to really have fair choices. I, I don't have any exposure at this point to the men's and women's sitting teams. Mm. And, you know, I, I watched one match of the women's this year live in Japan, and I don't think it was a good characterization of, of, their, uh, of their team. So... Really, I, have, I do have opinions, but not in every category. So I, I couldn't even tell you the best newcomer, uh, except for, the, of course, the men's team, because I have the most exposure to that. And, and I had Eric you're Shoji. Not, you're not a newcomer. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Eric Shoji. I like that pick as well. I think that's a good pick. Yeah, and I'll, it, it'll, it'll make more sense when I get to the, to the player of the year portion. But, uh, but yeah, I think he's uh, – you know what's gnarly about it, too? That's a great is that Rich Lamborn – is playing the best I've seen him play. Mm. And, um, and that's saying a lot because mm-hmm. he's had so many great years. And, and he's really embraced sort of that um, mentor role, if you will, or the understanding that, that um, basically had all the reps the last eight years. And it's time for somebody else to, to get those reps. And, and, um, and, and I think Eric... Uh, you know, is, is being given a, a great shot, and he's doing a good job. So that was my newcomer of the year. Nice. I love that pick. Uh, Eric was extremely impressive this year. I saw him early on and not as much late because you guys weren't on TV for the later stuff. But, uh, yeah, extremely, extremely impressive year from Eric Shoji. Love that pick. All right, so that's newcomer of the year. Now I'm looking back at some of the old netties here. Got him up on the screen. Thanks, Reed, for forwarding these back on. I searched my email too bad. Uh, going back 2010, we had a 2009 Netties. So 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. That's five. We have had five. Look at this. Yeah, I was wondering if we had four. We had five. 
Pat on I the want back. to take it all the way back to the very first ever 2009 Netty Awards. We had Dan Madden in the house. This was BJ before Jeremy. Before Jeremy. <laughs> Team USA Player of the Year, Dan, April Ross. Reed, Penn State. And I had April Ross and Jen Kessie for Team USA Player of the Year. Headline of the year, it was Leonard Armato resigns from AVP after How buying out of bankruptcy. Penn State Player of the Year? Go back to that for a second. Well, it's, it's Reed. We let him do whatever he wanted. <laughs> sure, there was a logical explanation. Headline of the year, I had two. I think they won everything that year. So they just, you, yeah. Uh, yeah. Third you, straight title. Yeah, third straight title. I think they basically won every category. Yeah, they, they were crazy. They were undefeated that year, too, I'm sure. And I think just so. And ran the table. Uh, I had two coaches getting their thousandth win. It was Russ Rose and Dave Shoji back in 2009. Biggest disappointment. The constant bickering between seemingly every volleyball organization on the planet. That was Dan Madden. <laughs> Dan hates conflict. Reed, USA men's team not qualifying for Grand Champions Cup. Of course, this time they did qualify. So let me clarify. This was the year 2009, talking about what happened in 2009. Correct. But yes. you were in 2010 talking about 2009. Yeah, okay. or the end of we're back. I'm with Whatever you. it was. Continue. I had biggest disappointment in 2009, Matt Anderson. Of the USA men's team. Lots of ex- expectations, few positive results. And now look where we're at. Yeah. Well, I think he's my two-time reigning. He got fired up because of player of the year. You gave him an, a crappy netty. Yeah. <laughs> it's all all me, yeah. Person of the year. Dan, Russ Rose, Reed, John Spraw. Two titles in five years. That became three and six. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Hodel, AVP, mm-hmm. CEO was mine. Because mm-hmm. he was trying to, he was trying yeah. to bring the congregation together. So that was back in '09. He wasn't afraid to get dirty either. Jason? Yeah. No. He was a working man. Correct. It's good. Military guy. It's good. Yeah, military guy for sure. Yep. I'm looking for a 2011 Nettie's recap. Oh, we don't have it here either, though. Get our interns on. Let's go up to the player of the year, then. Player of the year? Are we already the player of the year? Let's do it. How? We're kind of going. I mean, you I had to save the people, no? I had most influential volleyball event as number one. I don't know what oh, okay. running list we're going off of. Okay. Yes. Team USA. Player of the Year. Now, this is a four-person category because we have indoor, beach, men, and women. So we're going to number two. We're skipping over most influential volleyball events. We'll come back to that. Okay. All right. Team USA, Player of the Year. Let's uh, let's start with one team. Since we just did some indoor stuff, let's do some outdoor stuff. Reed, give me women's. I don't have a women's, like I said. Awesome. No no exposure. I do have a men's. (laughs) But I can answer that. Men's. Go ahead. The player of the year for the men's for me, uh, hands down, is Jake Gibb. And uh, I think it, er, early in the summer, I, I think I started forming an opinion that he is probably the most underrated player of all time so far uh, because everybody is so infatuated with who he's playing with. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was the best team back with Stein Metzger, it was kind of all about Stein. And you know, then his, his road with uh, Rosie, Everyone wanted to talk about Rosie, and and now he and Casey have a good year, and the rumors are, is Phil going to pick up Casey? And so it, ah, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, but I mean, still, the fact that I was at an event and I hear a referee saying, I think this is what's going to happen, you know, I, I just think that Jake... Um, Referees are stupid. I, don't feel like. I think that he... Great. Uh, Great. <laughs> I think he's... One of the greats, and I think he's underrated, and I think he's maximizing his potential, and he's he's older, and he's still uh, working super hard. He's a fierce competitor, and and uh, so far, he's proven to be a great teammate and be able to win with multiple people. That's my player of the year on the beach. I like it. All right. 
Let me uh, let me put in Jake Gibb here for Read Pretty. Beach Men's Player of the Year. Uh, I, on Beach Men's Player of the Year, have a guy with a similar record to that of Jake Gibb. AVP, seven podiums, four wins. FIVB, one win, three podiums. Eclipsed his career earnings almost entirely in one season. Literally earned, I think it's two-thirds of his career money in one year. Or maybe more, maybe it's even three-quarters uh, of his amount. And that's his partner, Casey Patterson. So Casey Patterson, I thought, had a fantastic year. I agree with Jay Gibb. I think that's also a great pick. I, I was trying to figure out a way to pick, like, uh, Jakesy or Cake as uh, oh, <laughs> person of the year. Cake doesn't sound as good as Benifer. doesn't sound quite as good. But uh, Casey Patterson, I thought, brought a, a lot of passion, a lot of fun back to it. That's what a lot of people say they miss about the beach, is that guys are so professionalized so dedicated, and maybe it's the Phil and Todd effect over the last few years that they're just sick of watching grass grow. It's really dominance. It's great grass, but it is literally grass growing when you're watching Phil and Todd years ago win. It's not all that exciting. It's not thrilling to watch. It isn't interactive. With Casey Patterson, it's interactive. He's having a blast. He's having fun, almost to the annoyance of his opponent, but he's interacting with the crowd, and he's what you want the sport to be. It's a party. It's a high-level winning party, Casey Patterson. Agreed on everything you said. Disagree with your vote, though. I like it. Um, I also am going with Jake Gibb. And you can make an argument, and there was a good one on here, that uh, for Casey, he was a big defender and improved his game tremendously. Before the improvement, the team wasn't winning, which is true, but that was also preseason. Kevin, your uh, lunch is here, apparently. The doorbell rang. Um... Jake wouldn't have won all the stuff he did without Casey. Casey wouldn't have won all things that he won without Jake. But right. Jake has the longer resume and has been doing it before Casey was his partner. And without Jake, Casey wouldn't have made those big improvements that he made in the off season and then during the season. So that's why Jake gets it for me. Okay, Jake Gibb. And Jake will now get dumped, and he will pick me up, and I can side up from <laughs> either side. Cake. Then he will really be the player of the year. Yes. All right, I'll go first with women's. Okay. Women's outdoor, women's beach, player of the year. Yep. Seven podiums, three wins yep. on the AVP. Yep. Three podiums, two wins on the FIVB. Uh-huh. We're going to take it back. Uh, Dan Madden had it years ago. April Ross for me. Uh, I think April is in a weird transition space. With I'm with Jen. I'm not with Jen. I play with somebody else once in a while. I'm going to go play with Carrie. Carrie's going to be full-time next year. But I think she just continues to improve and, and play her game no matter who her partner is, no matter where the tournament happens to be. I think April Ross did a nice job this year. She is my indoor, or pardon me, beach women's player of the year. I agree with everything you say and agree with your choice, Kevin. April Ooh. Ross is oh, mine as well. Look at that. And here's the thing that Razel... Razel? Razel? <laughs> April has gotten to in her career that now anybody that she plays with, you think that they are a threat to win that tournament. There you go. Sign of a veteran player. Yep. So she got she has my netty for that. That's two. Do you have an opinion on this one, Reed Pretty, or are you sitting this one out? Tough. Reed Pretty sits this one out. Because he's, he's got a career of his own, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. He's got to pay attention to his own deal. Uh, okay, let's go to the indoor side of things. Remember, this is indoor national team player of the year. 
I will take, uh, let me take the men's first. Let's go the other way. Do I have a men's player? Did I write a men's player down? I did. I did. Uh, and his name has come up frequently. I think he's my two-time reigning MVP, uh-huh. and I think he's doing it again. Uh, I put Matt Anderson in there once again. He led in kills every match at Grand Champions Cup. He led in the semis and the finals of the qualification. These are the tournaments you want to win. They asked him to play opposite. He goes and plays opposite, has a bunch of kills. He can still play an outside hitter. I think he's a bit more mature as a, a player. I still want more out of him at outside hitter, but part of that is he's got to be put at outside hitter. You've got to find an opposite to play. Yep. Uh, hopefully Clay is back and Matt goes back to his more normal position. He had a, a great Olympic Games last year, had an amazing year in 2012, and I think in 2013 he just kind of continued to be a force at outside hitter. Matt Anderson. I'm into it. Yeah, I like everything you said. Uh, I went a different direction. Um, And I think, in general, I think individual awards with the ultimate of team sports is really silly. But shows like ours and award ceremonies, the FIVB, it's a good story to tell. And so what I ask myself is, who, if you sub that person out of the mix relative to Mm -hmm. who else is in the gym, what impact did a player have the most, uh, or, you know, I didn't really say that correctly, but you see what, see where I'm headed. And, um, I think it's dangerous to put this name there because he is so young, but I really think Micah Christensen was a player of the year, uh, for me, because if you sub him out, uh, there's a drastic change. Now there's no doubt that Matt is the most gifted offensive player in the gym. And if you sub things out, things are going to change in terms of distribution wise. But in terms of the ball being distributed, um, the setter is the most important position on the court. And I was just very impressed by the fact that Micah was able to come in and sort of hold his own. Now, you know, we saw uh, this ramp up to Norseka's, which was really impressive. And then there was this break. And then the World Cup or Grand Champions Cup, you know, there was better teams, the competition was different, and there was some some learning going on by the group as a whole. And so I think this next summer we're going to see uh, an even bigger step forward. But, you know, I'm playing so much golf that I can't think of of any other analogy other than golf. But the thing with Micah that impresses me is that he doesn't hurt you. There's no big numbers on the scorecard. There might not be a ton of birdies or eagles or, or, you know, scoring shots. But, you know, pars are good right now. And I've always thought that for the setter position, that that is the most important thing, is to find rhythm with your teammates, Mm -hmm. the guys on your side of the net, irrespective of what's happening on the other side of the net. Put your hitters first in good situations and let the burden be on them. And then you work backwards from that point versus I need to be super deceptive the block can't know where I'm going. And what happens is, is your teammates don't know where you're going either, and that's a problem. Gotcha. And uh, I think Micah's done a great job of coming in, not trying to do too much, and pars are good. You know, he just keeps the team, uh, you know, in motion. Interesting. I think because Micah was so young, I even consider him in my thought process for and this award. That's the thing. You, you don't want to give somebody too you want to yeah. You want them to work. But that, that's where I think. Yeah, this, I'm with this, you on that. This award in general to a team sport is silly, and I always think, you know, right after you win a final, there should be a team celebration. But you know, we love to separate it and uh, that's identify. TV. That's TV yeah. stuff for sure. I uh, 
being on the show, obviously I hear Matt Anderson's name a lot, and what did it for me was him being moved around to different positions and still playing at a high level at those positions is why I would give him this award. And, uh, you know, Kevin can be a harsh critic, but the fact that he expects more from Matt, who's already playing at such a high level, I think says a lot about Matt as well. And that if you... Disappointing is not the word, but if you think that he can be better than he already is right now, that says a lot about him as a player, too. And uh, I think Reed would have given him the award if Matt was setting him, but since he's not, Reed gave the award to the guy that has to get him the ball. <laughs> so I totally understand where Reed's coming from. Uh, but Matt Anderson gets it for me. You know, the great part about Matt, uh, and also other players on the team in the Grand Champions Cup, was that I, for the first time I saw Matt take it upon himself in a particular match, I, I forget who we were playing, but it was very clear that he decided that the result, the way we were headed, was not the way we were going to end. Nice. And he took it upon himself to change the direction. He played with that that desire that everybody wants him to play at. Now, was that a verbal thing, or you just saw a change in like his demeanor? His demeanor, uh, the way he was communicating, and just that determined look. You yeah. know that look, yeah, yeah, you know, from players and. You know, I, I saw it even from Max Holt. And these are all very highly skilled players, but when you start to see that competitive drive kick in and say, you know what, this is the way that this is headed is not the way that it's going to finish. Nice. And I'm going to make sure that that is the way it is. And so I think it's, it was, it's fun to see that maturing process happening with a lot of these players that have been playing really significant roles for us. Congratulations, Matt Anderson, as well as Mike Christensen, on your votes for Netties here on the net live let's get to a college football weekly before we get to the women's national team mvp as well as other categories biggest disappointment best surprise issue that will be most influential volleyball person of the year and tnl third man i know everyone's looking forward to that one everybody it just can't wait yeah i can't wait but let's get to our correspondents we're going to be welcoming them back each week this man who has been on the show before we missed him because he wanted drinks with tiny umbrellas a month ago but he's been in studio for us whenever he can. He hails these days from Happy Valley out there by Penn State, where he serves as assistant coach under Mark Pavic. Please welcome back in Jay Hasek here for College Edition. Gentlemen, Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year. Uh, let's start uh, out with a women's question on this Men's College Volleyball well, Weekly. Can we ask him how cold it is first? Uh, yeah, well... Sorry. Oh, I was no, sorry, Kevin. About his no, tiny umbrellas. Uh, wanna... Were the tiny umbrellas better than being at Final Four? Uh, well, I tell you what. Uh, as good as tiny umbrellas are, I really, really missed uh, not only being at convention because it's just a great time in general. I would have liked to have gotten a free dinner by you, Barney. So I kind of missed the boat on that one. I got to take a rain check. Well, here he was texting me the results back and forth while I was flying home for the during the the finals. That was awesome. I almost said main event because I've been watching too much wrestling lately with my kids. <laughs> but, uh, all right, let's, Jay, let's turn to the men's season just underway. Things are finally happening. We have a top 15 just out for week number one from the ABCA. Long Beach State sits atop the rankings. They also sat atop the Santa Barbara Invitational this past week. But what I thought was really interesting was who they beat in the finals. They defeated Harvard. Harvard made the final Harvard. Santa Barbara Invitational Tournament? Tell me you know, what? I, 
I tell you what, I tell you what, we've been talking about it for the last couple of years. Uh, Harvard and Princeton have done a really nice job. They've given a lot more support to their programs. The coaches are more stable. Uh, they're able to recruit without the kids looking at them going, I wonder who's going to be there when I get there. And this is the fruit of their labor. You know, Brian and Stan have done a really nice job. And, and granted, you know, they're, they're, you know, the first day has changed. When you and I played in that tournament back in the day, it was called the Elephant Bar. There were, what, 18, 20 teams, something of that nature. There was a lot of club teams involved. The first day was all two out of three, and then the second day was Power Pool. And it was really an awesome event to be a part of. And it's morphed over the years since Kenny has left and Rick picked it up. And, uh, you know, there was a few years there where the attendance dropped off a little bit and teams weren't wanting to go to it. But he's made an adjustment. And this year this, the, the format has changed. Uh, the first day was all two out of three again, and what happened was each pool had rankings depending upon your finish at the end of the day, and then you played directly across with the team that finished in the same spot in the other pool, and that's how Harvard got to play Long Beach State, and I thought that, you know, that's a nice sign of respect for our conference. It's a nice sign of respect for Harvard, and they went forward with Long Beach. Now, you know, people are going to make comments, and they're going to make statements, well, Long Beach didn't play everybody. It doesn't matter. It, it, the fact remains is that it was a good final. Long Beach is deserving of the number one ranking. They're a very good team right now. And uh, I think right now the bullseye is squarely on them and, and, uh, and will be for quite some time. I'm looking at the top 15 right now, just released by the American Volleyball Coaches Association. Long Beach State, number one. Loyola of Chicago, number two. UC Irvine, yep. three. Yep. Stanford, four. USC, five. Then it's Pepperdine, UCLA, Lewis, and BYU. Jay, as you just mentioned, I'm kind of struck by the variety of teams inside of the top ten. Well, there's probably a few more teams that could be up there later on. IBFW had a nice tournament out there. They beat UCLA, and they beat the... Uh, I think they beat Northridge and Loyola. You know, this is the year that Loyola hosts the, the final four, in fact, the final six. And teams that, uh, you know, in the past have, have made attempts to go to the final destination to get maybe a leg up and, and get comfortable to place. So they got a few good matches out of the gate. And Loyola is a very good team. If you watched those matches this past weekend, there were two things that struck out to me uh, a little bit more than not. One is that Loyola is very good at serve receive. They were in system an awful lot of the time throughout the course of the matches. Um, and they also played really good defense. They were giving themselves, you know, two, three, and sometimes four and five uh, chances to take a swing. They were covering their hitters well. They were digging balls. They were doing a really nice job of giving their hitters opportunities to take big-time swings. And Smalzer and Jeske, uh, the outside and the opposite were doing a really nice job of just swinging away and, and making the block have to work. So it was impressive to watch, and I'm very, uh, I'm stoked to see another team up there and then seeing that they're getting some love from everybody else around the country. Loyola hosting that final six, a big improvement for men's volleyball to actually have a six-team playoff. Uh, early candidates for Player of the Year, of course, reigning Player of the Year, Taylor Crabb, was a big part of that victory for Long Beach State University, hit 429. This is a little tiny guy who just flies around. He is a lot of fun to watch. So if you get a chance to watch Long Beach this year, definitely keep your eye on Taylor Crabb and get yourself out to a match just to watch him play. But who else yep. is on that list for Player of the Year? Who do you think are the early favorites? Well, i got to think there's a few that stick out in my mind. One is uh, Taylor Crabble, obviously. Micah Christensen's going to get a look for obvious reasons. 
Taylor Sanders is going to get a look. Uh, Joe Smalter at Loyola is going to get a look. Um, you know, there might be a player or two in Ohio that might be worth looking at. Henchy and, uh, and Les, the opposite, are pretty good players. Uh, I think Aaron Russell from Penn State is going to be worth looking at. I'm not sure that they're in the hunt for player of the year, but, you know, D.J. White at Harvard is a really nice player that you look at and you go, nah, he's not really flashy. He's not really going to put anybody in trouble. And then you look at the end of the match and you look at his line and the kid passes really well. He plays good defense. He came from Manhattan Beach. The kid knows how to play. I'm not sure I would put him in a long shot or a dark horse, but he should be uh, in the conversation for All-America maybe by the end of the year, depending upon how they finish. So, uh, I think that those are candidates, though, with, with the exception of DJ, that would be your, your top candidates for player of the year. Can Taylor Sander make it happen at BYU without the balance of Ben Patch? Uh, well, apparently they've got a German opposite who, or, or a, uh, I don't know, some Euro opposite who is apparently pretty legit. He rolled his ankle, apparently, before they went out to Loyola, who is supposed to be pretty good, almost umloft-like qualities, and I think I think any team that's going to be successful, you need that court to be 30 feet, as wide, 30 feet wide as often as possible. If you start to shrink it down and you're running the bicks and the left sides and the middles and the blockers can key in on that, I think it's going to be tough for anybody to carry that load. But if it's going to be anybody, I would say Taylor Sanders got a good shot at it. The kid just elevates above people left and right and I, I can't even count the amount of times that he went over people in the last weekend's matches. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I think he's got some skills at the next level. Um, you know, Reed Pretty could probably comment this more than I would, but he, he's probably walks in that gym and, and at least, you know, is making the B-side better, if nothing else. Number 11, Penn State. Number 12, Ohio State. Number 13, Harvard. 14, Hawaii, and 15, IPFW. What's on your radar here for the upcoming week matches that we should be keeping an eye on, Jay Hasek? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, out west, I believe Lewis is going to play out at Stanford and UOP. Those are some matches I'm going to be looking at. You know, poor UOP, I think they went into this weekend with some high hopes, and, and unfortunately I think the I think the tension of the whole year is just going to be a lot for them to deal with. But Stanford... Uh, Stanford's a good team, and I'd like to see Lewis uh, do well out there. Uh, it's going to be a battle. Unfortunately, Lewis was supposed to play USC yesterday, but got canceled due to some weather. Uh, for us, uh, out this direction, well, I, I will go back out east or out west. I mean, uh, we're flying out to the outrigger. That's going to be a nice little tournament. UCLA, Penn State, Ohio State, and Hawaii will be, uh, will be the four that are out there this week, and I think that will be fun to watch. Uh, you know, pretty soon, and I'm not going to make any mentions this week because I don't have the schedule in front of me, but pretty soon we're going to start to incorporate the Conference Carolinas into this whole conversation. They're going to be, you know, a year or two away from really making a push, but pretty soon we're going to be considering them part of the normal conversation, and I want to give them the due respect that they deserve. So uh, those are the main matches that I'm going to look at this week. Uh, other than that, the season's just begun. I'm really excited to get started and get running. And, uh, you know, it's good to see that there's already parity going on uh, early on in the year, which when it comes down to crunch time and the criteria start being used for the at-large bids, those wins for Loyola, if for some strange reason they don't win uh, their conference, that could be some push marks for them in order to get that at-large bid for the, uh, for the final six. So good for them for winning it all, or winning of, of two out of the three. 
All right, well, Jay, have a good time in Hawaii. Uh, we will think of you and your tropical drinks there, although you will have to do a little bit more work, I imagine, than you did over Christmas. And uh, are you the reigning Are you the reigning fifth man of the year here, or fourth man of the year on the Net Live? I believe I am, and uh, and much appreciative. So uh, I, I love being with the show and a part of it. Whether or not I win it again this year remains to be seen, but. If I don't, I'm sure somebody very deserving will take it from me, and uh, obviously I will support everything that goes on from this point out. So, uh, yeah, I am the reigning king, so to speak. Yeah, make sure you put the scepter and the cape into a FedEx box before you go to Hawaii for us, right? <laughs> if that's any indication of what's to come, I will, I will put it in with my tears. <laughs> <laughs> Jay Hosick, thanks very much. We'll talk to you next week. Have fun in Hawaii. Thanks, boys. Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Jay. Jay Hosick checking in for College of Volleyball Weekly. Men's edition number one, 2014, as the season gets underway. Remember, your number one team is Long Beach State. They uh, did not get selected last year to the Final Four. Nearly. You know what we haven't really had this year, which I kind of remember us having last year when we were gearing up the Nitty Awards? Like, people who were kind of in the running, we heard from them like they would call oh, we did have a campaign or like some text messages. <laughs> like I haven't heard from Dustin Aval today. Obviously Jay and Rosenthal called in, but it was part of their normal thing, you know. So uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, maybe somebody could be on the fence and you know, text message or a phone call could help push them over right now. Dustin Aval is a guy who who contributed early, but it's it's why you don't release a movie if you want an Academy Award. And then wanted to go, the and then wanted to go to year. Seattle. Yeah, thought we would take him to Seattle with us. Yeah, he was yeah. wondering where his ticket oh, was. How'd that Kickstarter campaign go for him? Did, did you see my response to him about where's my ticket? Yeah. I said, well, I think AlaskaAirlines.com gives tickets to people who want them. You just have to pay for it. Did I wonder, did he raise either more or less money than the fine for pot smoking in Seattle? You know, I don't think did he, he actually... more than $27 or less? I think if he actually would have done the Kickstarter campaign, it might have worked because there were some people that were... They were on board? They were on board to help him get there. He's like, oh, I think I should have done that. All right, let's get back to our Netty Awards because this is the feature of the show. 2013 Netties right now being awarded. These are coveted spots. I'll tell you what, around the volleyball world, you win a Netty Award. The award you win, you get nothing. (laughs) Pride, Jeremy, pride. Yeah, you can talk about it for a full year. You get pride. All right, indoor women's player of the year. I'll go first. Oh, you will. This is indoor women's player of the year. You Jeremy, know, you want to know why first. I'll go first? Because I have nothing. Zero. Jeremy opts out. Okay. So I'm out. All right. Jeremy opts out. Reed, am I going to be the only one naming somebody here? I have a name, but it's, okay. you know. Let me. I, I, don't, I don't know enough about it. Yeah, I, I didn't see enough matches, and the match that I saw, she actually wasn't even playing in. So, Kristen Hildebrand. Oh, Hildebrand. Okay. Did hear her name a lot this year. Yeah, heard her name a lot. Uh, I know how liked she is in the gym. She was the captain of the team. Um, you know, and I, I'm not sure she's the point scorer per se, but she seems to be the leader of the group, uh, or or at least uh, somebody that has connection with everybody. It seems like she's best friends with everybody. Not, not and um, you know, I actually we, she just was back for a few days, and I went out to dinner with her. Uh, it was actually Casey Patterson's wife's birthday. Did she buy dinner in an effort to influence you and the Netties? Uh, no, no, yeah, no. Okay. Yeah, that work? No, it was great. She was talking about how she's actually playing in Brazil for the Brazilian national team head coach. Oh, very good. And uh, sounds like a great experience over there. And it's his whole setup. It's his whole team, his whole assistants. There's like 12 coaches, by the way. Wow. 
And she was saying something crazy, like he's making like millions of dollars. It's the biggest sport in Brazil, volleyball. He and Bernie, to run that program. No, no. Aside from soccer, well, just a coach. So they're getting paid from the Brazilian Federation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're getting paid from their pro teams because yeah. they're right. both bivocational. And uh, I heard like Bernardino's speaking speaking fee oh, is like man. forty grand or yeah. something like that yeah. per. It's per two-hour talk. Close to Kevin's speech. Is she playing for Bernardino or the women's coach? The women's coach. Whose uh, name is escaping me. It's escaping me as well. I'll look it up. So it, that that was my vote. And again, chat not board. enough exposure. Okay. Chat board, come to life. Pick that one up for us. It's weird because like some of even beach and indoor, it's like the in-betweens. Like you're not, it's not right after the Olympics, so I can't talk about the Olympics. You're still, yes, you're gearing up for the next one, but you're not really in the qualification process per se. So it's that in between. The teams are still being figured out, so it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. I need to get in the gym and the women. It's like it'd be awkward if I just walk in and, hey, Karch. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and watch practice if you don't mind. I got, I got an award. Karch actually would be like, would say, okay. Yeah, I got an award to give out. I got to look here. Yeah. I'm trying to remember then. Juan Carlos Ramos? No. I don't know who it is. Uh, okay. Women's Player of the Year. Indoor. If the chap work could come up with it, there it is. Jose Roberto Guimares. That's right. It was a three-person. There you three go. person. He hasn't killed anyone. He just coaches. Uh, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Unrated, for picking that one up. Indoor Women's National Team Player of the Year. Uh, I love a redemption story. That's what, that's what Matt Anderson was for me. Uh, of course, 2009, biggest disappointment. Uh, this woman, I thought, had been pretty well a disappointment for a lot of years in her given the college hype surrounding her career, out of Penn State, Alicia Glass. Okay. Started 28 of 31 matches, averaged more than 10 assists per set, started 105 of the 118 sets as possible. Yes, setter. And, and maybe this is a case of the 10,000 hours that Hugh McCutcheon, you've heard him talk about on this program. Of course, it's, uh, it's from outside of Hugh McCutcheon's realm. But the 10,000 hours might be, finally be coming around for Alicia Glass. She looked like she was in better shape this year. She is in a position where there is a lot of competition. There are a lot of setters, and there will continue to be more setters. Uh-huh. Uh, you heard about Carlini from Wisconsin, and there are other players already. Courtney Thompson still in the gym with the women's national team. Still talk about uh, other players coming back, perhaps ex-Olympians coming back. Destiny Hooker? Uh, well, that's at opposite Would be coming, oh, about setter, yeah, sorry. Setting position, yeah. Uh, so there's a, a lot of possible change at this spot, and she pretty well pinned it down this year. I thought she was better because before she was just throwing the ball around and the team was winning off the hitters. But she more contributed to the winning that went on uh, this year, some victories. And so Alicia Glass is my women's MVP. Uh, real quick for the next one, Reed, when you started playing for the national team, and even you too, Kevin, like from college to the national team, what was the biggest difference for you? Like, it's obviously a learning curve. It's higher competition. Even the people on your team are better than the people on your team in college. So was it somebody like Alicia, who was great in college, the transition could have been tough for her. What was it like going from college to the pros at that point for you guys? It's the speed of the game that you notice at first. I remember getting in my first match against Japan, like a whole match was just going by me. And, and part of that was nerves, I think. Yeah. But, uh, the efficiency of guys... I think, and, and I came into a national team that I don't think was all that good. Had you been in the gym while you were still in college? No. Okay. No, I had been with, with the B team two years before, and I was on the eligible 30 list, but I never got in the gym with the team before 96. Um, I, I thought the team I came into wasn't nearly as talented as if you came into the team now. I think the teams now are better. Okay. Um, but 
it was the speed of the game at first. And I don't know, I came in with a bunch of college guys. For me, I think it was a different sort of transition. There wasn't a bunch of guys left over at my spot. So they were all learning at the same time. Yeah, a lot of us were. A few few veterans were Jeff Nygaard, Lloyd Ball. Tom Hoff was in the gym. He had spent a little time with the senior team at times. There was a lot of B-team talent. But it wasn't like I joined a team that had just won the Olympics gotcha. or a team that had just played really well. I joined a team that had sucked in, or in 96 and all the veterans left. So it was a very weird time, I think, to be a part of that program. Gotcha. What was it like for you, Reed? I think for me, the uh, one of the biggest adjustments is just the physical pull that it takes on your body and the fact that like, you feel like... I remember those days in, in Colorado Springs where I'm in my room and I can't, I can't sleep on one side <laughs> and I can hardly lift my shoulder, yet I have to go and do it again for five more days that week. Yeah. And I think it was getting used to the workload... And almost, I think you expand your your mental capacity to match what you're physical. Yeah, because you can do it, and I think that's one of the best benefits of being uh, having the experience of training with the national team. Uh, The friends that I have that were so talented in volleyball that never had that, or that partially had it. I have two best friends. Jay Ring partially had it. Jay Lee, uh, Jason Lee, my buddy, never had it. And I see that their capacity to push themselves on the beach side was very different when you don't have that experience of being pushed when you don't have a choice. Gotcha. And so I, I've always felt like the guys who and the girls who have been on the national teams and gone through that sort of training are better self-trainers when they go out on their own on the beach because they've, they've learned the lesson that your body can take more than your mind thinks it of course. can. Okay. But that was the that was the biggest adjustment for me. What's our next category? Headline of the year is what I have. Headline of the year. I'm going to go last because I certainly have the best one Ooh. for this. Oh, okay, wow. Good to know. I have some runner-ups. I, there's some possibilities in here. I, I had one that just jumped to mind because I've watched the movie Spiker. Multiple times. Oh, God, multiple times. That's true. I have watched the side out. Multiple times. Multiple times. Uh, not quite as destructive to my soul as Spiker. And I've also watched uh, Beach Kings slash Green Flash. Multiple times. Nearly bought it for $5 in the airport. Yes. <laughs> Over the but fall. you passed? I passed. You preferred to keep the $5 in your wallet. <laughs> he did take a photo of it, so I don't know if that counts. You should have just bought it and handed it to somebody. <laughs> Here you go, buddy. Put it's it. like a tract. It's a religious tract. Like, hey, can I convert you? Have a good trip. Yeah, you get two hours coming up on a plane. Yeah, this will take care. You got your laptop with you? Watch this. Don't Watch give this. it to a kid because you'd be like, "What is this? Yeah, DVD yeah. player?" Yeah, you exactly. Don't use those. <laughs> I have Matt Furbringer and Casey Jennings win the Manhattan Ooh. Beach Open. Oh, that's great. Didn't that seem like so long ago, though? This you you cannot write a better film than this. Casey Jennings down on his luck. No one will partner with him. Not really on the tour. Half this, half that. Picks up his old partner who's moved on, who's now worked in an office for the last year. He's retired. He's done playing beach volleyball. He's 45 pounds heavier. He hasn't shaved in three days. (laughs) But white. (laughs) He's but white. (laughs) And he walks out and he wins the Wimbledon of the sport. Yeah. Wimbledon. Was that June, July? It seems like so long ago. 
Was Matt it, Furbringer. Usually in August, the Manhattan. Yeah, it was early this year. And it was, Casey yeah. Jennings win the Manhattan Open. A close second was the Jennings family dominating the Manhattan Open, but it was kind of all one event. So uh, that's what I had for headline of the year. Interesting. Very good. Okay. So that was one of my runner-ups. Okay. Because it deserves some note. Um, I'm, I, I know you're doing it for comedic relief, but the fact that they won wasn't as shocking as What's-His-Face winning in Side Out. <laughs> Let's just be honest with it. Okay. <laughs> well, I didn't see anyone do the inverted hand. That's true. Set. I never saw that happen. The word on the street was before Matt got the gig with the national team, like he was actually playing at some people were saying the best they'd ever seen him play at age 55 years old. And then he got a real job. He's like, I'm out. And then comes back and had like trained like twice on the beach. Right. Like the week before. Right. Um, so that was a runner up for me. Carrie and April partnering up was also a runner up. Oh, runner Although up. I feel okay. like I had known okay. that information a long time. So it wasn't as big of a headline to me as maybe others. Um, at least we didn't ruin that story by breaking it too early. <laughs> we didn't ruin permission. the other story either. Let's I know. just we'd be honest about it. Yeah, we know. just forced NBC, uh, NBC's hand. We called them. <sighs> and we, we cost people money. Oh, God. Oh, we didn't cost okay. anybody anything. Geeter's still probably in trouble for that. Yeah. Um, but my headline of the year, and I hope I'm correct in when it was actually announced, was 2013. Spraw being named the national team coach. That is in 2013. Yeah. That is correct. Because... After he had accepted UCLA, I don't think anybody was really thinking that he would get that job. They're like, oh, he picked UCLA. He's not going to go with the national team. So it wasn't even in the thought process. And then it comes out, and we're like, oh, interesting. So that would be my headline of the year. I like it. I like that. Yeah, an important moment. And now we're really good friends. <laughs> Read pretty. The sinners route the Saints in the quest to regain the Ryder Cup. <laughs> That is by far and away. I mean, Matt and Casey, they're the feel-good story of the year, but this was the headline of the year. Can we have some self-booyah? Do we have any kind of yeah. self-booyah music? I don't know what that even means, Kevin. I, I quit the show. That was Pretty I'm, soon we're going to have some television coverage. I even I'm thought over about, here playing with a cat toy. I even thought about... All the time, guys. What did he say? <laughs> It's not kittens and candles all the time. Guys. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, that that was clearly the headline of the year. I mean, obviously, got so much press. Especially at that same dinner, Tyler Hildebrand was there. A fellow, uh, he was actually our team captain. No, Rosie was our team captain. He doesn't even know who the team captain. Rosie, was brand co- new father, by the way. Congratulations. Oh yeah. Yeah. Keep True. going. Hildebrand, co-captain, and we rehashed the whole deal. We we we're actually. Did was, you guys get anything like? It was a cup. It was a cup. Like an actual legit the, cup. Legit cup. I'm. I'm gonna say. Do you have an actual headline, or, or are you serious with this? No, I'm. I'm dead serious. Oh my gosh. I will right, say. Sinners I'm, and saint. What is it? Sinners win. I'm sinners route saints in route. quest to regain the Ryder Cup. Make sure you put route in there. Yeah, route saints. Um, I'm disappointed that I haven't seen really good photos from that. I saw one of like you posing with four other guys like on like on one of the greens and that's like smiling like oh look we look professional we're out here having a game of golf. Like I didn't see any the real photos. You, you know, know what I'm saying? Funny is, is I thought the same thing afterwards, but it was it's so serious. Like everyone's having a good time. Oh, they want to win. But everyone's focused. And uh it's it's a big deal. I mean, NBC I I wouldn't be surprised. Don't be surprised. I don't want to be a spoiler, but don't be surprised if if this is uh televised here in the future. I love that read before we announce that I'm going last. I have the best one. <sighs> okay. All right, next category. Hold on. We we've done headline of the year. 
We've done Best Newcomer. We've done Team USA Player of the Year. Uh, let's go with a bad one. Biggest disappointment of 2013. I have... I have a nomination. I'm not necessarily going to go first, but I have a nomination out here. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. Uh, biggest disappointment of 2013, Geeter quits TNL. Oh, man. Geeter quits the net live. It was kind of unceremonious. It Is was. that a word? Uh, unceremonious? And he hasn't come back. It was sort of bitter. He was texting this morning. We did text back and forth. He, well, you know why he was bitter at Kevin, because Kevin threw him under the bus in an email, and, and he showed it to Geeter like an idiot. Well, no, he saw it when I was... Because you were showing him... A photo a proof. on your computer yeah. that had the email next to it. Take Geeter out. Take Geeter out. <laughs> so maybe it's my fault, but Geeter quits TNL is my biggest disappointment of 2013. Or the fact that he's full-time with the Lakers. Whatever. <laughs> uh, UCLA women, well, that's, that might be the biggest surprise of 2013. <laughs> that, or biggest headline. I don't know. I'm, I'm happy for him. Anyways, uh, UCLA women Okay, is my nomination, I think. Uh, but I went, I went a different direction. And uh, maybe I can drive Reed off the show. Uh, biggest disappointment of 2013 was the USA men's national team in deuce matches. Deuce sets. Set matches. Deuce sets. Mean games. There were so many opportunities for this team to win important matches, important sets, and advance and gain more experience that at that moment, they just couldn't get it done. If you look back at the results from Grand Champions Cup and before World League, Deuce set, deuce that, set. That's deuce your set, biggest disappointment this year? To me. Even with all the talk of the team's really new, new coaching staff, they're trying new things all year long, like the expectations were that high for you? No. No, I'm not saying they didn't meet expectations. I don't have a lot to be upset about in volleyball this year. So that, Whereas other years we've so had a lot. that's why you're throwing that under. <laughs> I'm kind of nitpicking it. Okay. No, I, I think I give them a, a that's successful. That's why I just want to I said I give them a successful are. season. Yeah. I, I think they had a very good season. I'm proud of you, but yet I'm disappointed in you. Is that what I just Well, heard? just in those little moments. Okay. Because there was such opportunity there. to, and, and I don't even care about winning the matches. I like the confidence of winning matches, especially early on for this group. I, I, want, I wanted that to happen, and I want them to score a couple more points late in sets. So it's a very nitpicky thing, but it's yeah. been a pretty decent year for volleyball, honestly. Hmm. Where other years we've just had, I don't know, you could put ten things into there. I think that's fair. I think that in defense of our team. That's the biggest disappointment, though? No, no, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think especially, I mean, if you look at all the Deuce games, there was a lot. Yep. And uh, I think that's that's a maturing stage. That's something that you have to learn. You don't just, you know, I remember Doug Beale, one of my favorite quotes that I've held on to is him pulling me into his hotel room in Japan and, you know, I was sour about a loss and he basically just said, you don't just get to win. That's all he said. He was man a few words uh, in in a lot of situations, and that stuck with me this whole time. It's a skill. You have to learn how to push through those moments, and you know, hopefully, hopefully uh, our team can can continue to put ourselves in that situation and learn how to push through through in those moments. Yeah, don't don't mistake. No, no, that's why my I wanted disappointment in those sets versus whether I think everything's going the right direction, whether stuff has been no, a success. You can be disappointed. While still having stuff, well, that's why I needed, that's why I needed some clarification. I was disappointed we didn't win a medal in 2004, uh-huh. but I was quite happy with the way we performed. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I'm disappointed with certain moments, but so for me as a fan, because I'm a fan, I'm an alumni, I'm a fan, of course, I'm a broadcaster, I'm a lot of different things for this, but as a fan, 
I wanted the team to have that experience, winning more, gaining, gaining that, the positivity that comes with that. We talk about losing, nearly losing to Poland in World League finals of 2008. The team nearly loses to Poland, nearly is out of the World League finals, instead comes back to win against Poland, wins against Serbia, or wins against Brazil, wins against Serbia, wins World League for the first time. That was a big deal. I wanted them to have that. So in, in, in order to do that, they have to be better at the penultimate moment of a set. Okay. I had a, uh, and this is not negative in any way, too. It seemed like a pretty positive year, but uh, Rosie and Phil teaming up, uh, I think a lot of us expected yeah. them to, I, and they didn't have a terrible year, but you know, I think it was supposed to be like, this was the super team. This is what everybody was anticipating and waiting for and all these things. And, and I understand there's a big backstory. We're talking babies. And I personally know injuries. how that affects uh, the game and injuries and, you know, all of that sort of thing. So I, I would assume and expect that 2014 is going to be a different year uh, for that team. Um, but I guess as a fan, wanted that to come together this summer. On paper, they actually... Like, numbers-wise, they had a really good season if you look at it on paper. It was all towards the beginning of the season, and then the middle end didn't end the way that they wanted to. But on the paper, if you look at it, they actually, I think years from now, you look back, you're like, oh, look at this, look at the numbers. But you're right, like, the expectations were set really high for that team. You're just like, oh, Phil and Rose, they're going to come out and crush each other. I mean, crush everybody else. <laughs> crush each other. <laughs> but Phil had to switch sides. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a bigger adjustment than maybe he realized or what everybody else was realized, um, which was something that Casey Patterson had to do. He switched sides, but um, I think it clicked more, obviously clicked quicker for him than it did for Phil. Uh, but my biggest disappointment, and I realized it was the same last year and probably the year before that, is that Olympic trials have not been set in stone yet for beach. That's really something that is has been bothering me because the longer we wait, the more difficult is it going to be to get everybody on the same page and getting everybody on the same page can be difficult in general, but trials are going to happen at some point, regardless, like they're just, they're going to happen. So let's get it together now. So everybody can not get used to it, but they can, know what they need to do to get ready for those trials. So they can deal with the seven stages of grief? It, what, yeah, whatever you need to do to get through it, it's just, it just needs to, it needs to get done. I don't know how high on a priority list it is for USAV right now on their list of priorities, but I feel like it, it's something that needs to get worked out. Disappointment, anger. Yeah. Resolution. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I'm, acceptance. I'm sure it's being <laughs> talked about a lot. It's not like it's people have forgot about it. I'm... Trust me, I have no doubt that it's being worked on and discussed. And It needs to happen, yes. in my mind. It needs to happen. So that's my biggest disappointment. Okay. Biggest disappointment of 2013, all done. How about biggest surprise of 2013? Mine's quick. Okay. Uh, I thought it was uh, John Spraw being hired. Um, I thought that was a great surprise. Bivocational coach hasn't been done on the U.S. side yet, at least in recent um, history, and I think it shows the priority uh, to to have the right guy, um, not just the available guy. And that that's in no disrespect to to 
previous hires, but I think this really showed that this was, if we can have the right guy half the time, then that's enough. We just want to get the right guy. I'm with you on that. I like it. John's probably being hired. I, I like that one a lot. Just reading the chat board and people getting mad. Yeah. Well, as they, as they should. <laughs> hey, Coach Hola, came by the booth and everything. You're killing me. Um, one of my biggest surprise, and I went back and forth on this a little bit, was uh, Summer and Emily not only winning Cincinnati Open. That wasn't necessarily a huge surprise that they won that because they matured pretty quickly. But uh, beating Kerry... I think it was five times in a row. Mm. And one of those was in the finals. And obviously you can see I lean more towards the beach. Oh, that's mm-hmm. good. Uh, I had a couple on here. Well, I, I have a surprise that I just read today. That was Carrie was player of the year in the FIVB. How is that possible? <laughs> I mean, she won a couple of times, but she didn't really play. It's voted on by players, officials, and so on. Every, every other award went to a Brazilian or a German. She's the only American to get an award. How do you give her player of the year? She hardly played. There's no knock on Carrie. She just hardly played. No, it's not a knock. It's not a knock on her at all. I don't understand it. So that one to me was weird. Uh, biggest surprise of 2013. One of them was kind of a shock uh, that I had thought of, but I didn't name it. Was uh, Dave Williams dying mm. in May? And I think he was diagnosed in April and dead a month later. And that came out of nowhere. Yep. Uh, for me, that uh, Dave Williams was dead. Um, I, I had down here biggest surprise of 2013. I had down Penn State again. Biggest surprise? Well, because, and it wasn't necessarily that they did it, but how. That's what surprised me, was how they did it. They annihilated Washington in the semifinal. Yeah. They made them look like a junior college team. Uh-huh. I think it was, if it wasn't the worst, it was close to nearly the fewest points scored by a team in a national semifinal. The way that they were able to dominate the game and the way that they dominated portions of that Wisconsin match were just the same. So to me, it was a surprise at how Penn State ran through that Final Four. And maybe that's just because it just happened, and it sticks in my mind, but that was uh, a big surprise in 2013 for me. Uh, Coach Hula said on the chat board, too, Wisconsin making the national championship in Sheffield's first year, I think, is an honorable mention in there as well. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't disagree with that. Especially when you had like a four foot eight outside hitter. She's awesome, <laughs> Morales. She was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Biggest surprise. That one's done. Issue that will be most influential in 2014. I'll be happy to go first on this one. Go ahead. My most influential issue for 2014 are the AVP books. And huh. by, by that, I mean the profit and loss statement, the P&L uh-huh. for the AVP. Because I, even rich people get tired of losing money eventually. Correct. And Donald's son got some deep pockets, apparently. Yep. But I wonder if he gets tired of losing money. Or if things turn around mm-hmm. and he signs the sponsors and he gets the TV he wants and he gets the situation he wants. And then the AVP is actually back. None of this... What you see on Facebook and Twitter and every no. time there's an AVP event, the AVP's back! It's a nice, t- nice tagline. Yeah, it's nice. It's just not true. But maybe the AVP is back, and maybe back in a way that it really has never been, and that it's an actual business that runs in the black. Now, I don't know that that happens, but I think that this year, how badly they lose money, or if they 
break even or if they don't lose money, they turn a profit. I think that is a hugely influential item in 2014. We'll have large ramifications for 15 and the run to the Olympics in 16. I'm with you on that. Uh, I had finally some, got one. Had some runner-ups. NCAA Collegiate Sand. I think is going to be a big influence this year. Like it has been the last few years. Um, I think the confusion still in the beach world is very influential. Like obviously with the NBL, with FIVB in the United States, Leonard's World Series of Beach Volleyball. Like is that what does that all mean sponsorship wise? It's still confusing. Do people understand the difference between those things? Um, but my most influential, and this goes back to another thing I said earlier, is the Olympic trials. You're on this one. I really am. Because I think it's a really big deal. And it's, however they decide to do that, is going to have a ripple effect that spreads far and wide. Um, all the way down to college, obviously to the pros. I think if it can be decided... I think if it's decided or not decided in 2014, it influences all kinds of different things one way or the other. Okay. All right. It's interesting to me that, uh, you know, not to get into the whole thing, mm-hmm. because in my mind, it's, it's really easy to just to nutshell it really quick. Yep. The players were 100% on board with American-based, yep. on-our-soil Olympic trials to send our best teams. Yep when the AVP was healthy or perceived health. <laughs> in, in looked, control. looked like it was healthy. When the AVP exited the situation, mm-hmm. then there was a void. There was no tour to ride on. The players had to go to the FIVB tour. Mm-hmm. Since they were already there, they thought, well, gosh, we're already on this system Let's just keep it the same because it's most convenient for us. Of course. Yeah, exactly. That's the issue. Yet it became how USA Volleyball was trying to usurp power and demonstrate their greatness and really screw up things for the beach and all of these things. And it's become this convoluted system. When when this issue was was on the forefront and David Schreff, one of my favorite people, who have, it has, in his two-year existence as the life president of the board of directors, <laughs> uh-huh. had more influence than most people in their entire career yep. you know, within volleyball. Um, I mean, we're talking the vision of, of Olympic trials a month or a month and a half before the Olympic Games or two months or whatever. Uh, we're talking the NBC in New York. Mm-hmm. Those are the types of places that we're talking about in the in the in the center of the media universe. Imagine the dollars that that would create around the sport <sighs> and around for those athletes. For your own personal sponsorships, all that stuff. It's hard enough for these athletes to capitalize on the two weeks of the Olympics. But if you had a two-week or a one-weekend or a two-weekend event that was happening on our soil leading up to the Olympics, it's one of the hottest stories. NBC would, would pump it. I, I would guarantee that that would equal more dollars for those athletes leading into the games versus after the games. I agree with everything. You have some very powerful athletes, some people in particular, who stand to lose because the possibility that somebody else might win because they carry enough points, they carry enough, gra- enough gravitas in the current system to guarantee their entry and sell stuff a year out. And that, that's Certain people who also say they want the best for volleyball 
when they're opposing this. I don't think there's any way you can put the best for volleyball in the United States and opposing Olympic trials in the same thought process or align those two things. You can say it's the best for you that there aren't trials, and I won't disagree. But don't say it's the best for the sport, when I think trials is the obvious thing that would bring more attention, gravitas, and everything Reed just said about an event to the sport. So just say, this system's better for me and my pocketbook. Don't cry and say it's for the sports. Look, I'm all for... I don't think that you can put... So let's take an AVP event, for example. Like All the teams that make an AVP main draw cannot be in the running to go to the Olympics because they don't all play internationally. True. I think the teams that play internationally could lose to a domestic team that doesn't, sure. But they will get absolutely smashed if they play in an FIVB event, just because they don't have that experience. Not that they're not good enough, they just don't have that experience yet. So you don't want to send that team to the Olympics. So if you could do with trials, I'm all for you using all of our teams that qualify for an FIVB event and put them in the trials. I'm fine with that. But it needs to be here. And however you work that out, whether it's over multiple weekends, I'm not a fan of it just being one tournament for me because there could be injuries, there could be all kinds of things. That's just me personally. Should Lucena and Furbringer have had a shot at going to the Olympic Games? They did have a shot. They had to win a certain thing. They were out by points and this and that. But yeah. should they have had like one, a, a tournament one-off? where you come in, you're seated into the tournament, and you play? Yeah, that's, <clears> what, <throat> that's what we all wanted before was a trial. I'm I've, all for that. But the way that that was structured, the way that the last Olympics, I'm not upset that Rosie and Jake made the Olympics or that Phil no, it's not a personal made the Olympics. Thing. Not a personal thing. No, but not. It's not even that they weren't good enough. It's not like I don't feel that Nick and Matt were so much better that we sent our best teams to the Olympics. It wasn't necessary that those two were better either, Jake and Rose. That's what I'm saying. But they we, weren't that much better necessarily. Correct. But what I'm saying is not like Karen Missy missed that on the Olympics for some reason, and we sent some qualifier hack team. You'd be like, yeah, our best team's not in the Olympics. But I'm not upset that. Matt and Nick didn't make it because they had the best chance of winning gold, because that's not necessarily the truth. I don't want another Nygaard-Blanton situation. And that's what we're set up for again. Well, see, here's the thing, though, is that we're getting off topic because we're starting to talk about specific people. Really, it's about identifying the system. Correct. And right now, and that's why, yeah. there are certain people that are hindering a yes. decision being made. Okay. A decision just needs to be made, back so to your point. That's what I say, One, so that, whether everybody likes it or not. Just so that needs, these athletes can be in the gym and have a clear idea in their mind that the reps that they're putting in are going to... I mean, like, I can't tell you, uh, you know, what? I'm building my workout right now. Yep. Uh, my, this is my first off-season, let's say. So yep. I'm building my workout to the world championships. And so everything is geared around that event. And so I couldn't imagine how annoying it would be to not know how to get to the world championships. Correct. But I'm doing the work today. And so these athletes need to have a system. And yes, get in a room and decide how to weight it. Weight it to where you think it's fair or, yeah. or even unfair to your advantage. But get in a room, figure it out, because that's what's best for the sport. I think you should stop listening to the athletes right now. You heard what the athletes have to say. Athletes, at some point you close the door, you say thanks, you close the door, and then the organization has to decide. Period. The business people and the branding people and the television, and whoever is in charge of the actual business, the actual growth of the sport. I don't care if you don't like them, but 
certain individuals and organizations are in charge of the growth of the sport, and they need to make those decisions after the input from the players. But none of that players shouldn't clear. make decisions. That's the issue. None of that is clear. That's why I used to think when I was a player, players should make decisions. Now sitting on the other side, having sat on the board for four or five years, having watched the way players behave, having a little bit of distance from myself as a player. Players shouldn't make decisions. I think you should listen to them. I think they have some valuable information. You need their feedback. There's no way they should be making the decisions. And I said this when the USA Volleyball Board was restructuring. I said, you are putting athletes basically as 20 or 25% of the board. It was some crazy, whatever the percentage is. Like, that is not right. Number one, they're not there. Number two, they don't know anything. They think they know everything. They don't know anything. I remember sitting in a meeting doing our broadcast from the AVP, USAV meetings at the AVP office. Mm-hmm. And... You have John Hyden going in there. Well, we wrote an email. We had a whole plan. What happened? We, we had that plan. No, John. You, did, you writing an email to USAV does not mean that the organization now has a plan set by you. That is an athlete and an individual way to look at it, and that is not how the world of business or the very complicated world of trying to promote a particular sport, no matter what it is, works. And at some point, Roger Goodell doesn't ask, you know, uh, Anybody, Ben Roethlisberger, what he thinks should be done to promote the NFL. Roger Goodell has a bunch of smart people he surrounds himself with, and he is in charge of making that decision. And I implore Doug Beal to get out there and make a decision and make it happen. And I don't care if you've got to ram it down the board's throat, but make a decision and get it done and tell the players, thank you very much. If you don't wish to play, don't come play. We're going to hold trials, and frankly, if you don't want to participate, then don't. And that's okay. That's their choice. I would like you to be the person to tell the players that. I'll stand up and say it. <laughs> Nobody likes me anyway. Here's the problem, and I'll get to my most influential 2014. But uh, we got to speed it up a little bit. But yes, yeah. Please. Well, I have a tea time here. Too. <laughs> <laughs> but but you're bringing all this emotion out of me because the reality is that David Schreff was that guy. He was that leader that volleyball needed. And when he stepped on some toes. These, other orga- these underlings and these other factions that ha- were self-interested mm-hmm. united together and got them out. That's, that's really what, what happened. And so here, here we are, this sport who's consistently, like we were talking about off-air in the break, that the 85 issue of Volleyball Magazine is basically the exact same issue. That's, that's why. It's because it's filled with a bunch of self-interested people that knock out the leader who comes along and tries to do what's right yeah. Or what he thinks is right. And you know what I mean? That's, that's what we need is leadership at the top. And, and you know what? We have to elect that person or whatever yeah. and then support it. I haven't been in the meetings, but Ken Kane, you're on my hit list from everything I've heard about what's <laughs> going on. You are on my hit list for being a freaking roadblock to the progress of this sport. Get out of the way. I like now Ken. I like Ken. That's not very nice. David Schreff. Kevin's list, apparently. Does David Schreff, to anyone else, remind you of David Wallace from The Office? <laughs> like, Don't watch The Office. <laughs> Don't know who you're talking about. Schreff is one All of my right. favorite people. Okay, here's my... We've got to blitz through the 2014 influential event, uh, and I can't even speak a lot to this, but I talked to Kathy DeBoer uh, in a conversation, and she seemed to be extremely concerned about the conference formations that are happening within the college ranks. Yeah. You know, different schools hopping into different and forming new conferences and, and the power that that brings and what that's going to mean for men's volleyball as the budgets, mm. as the dust settles, she's, she seemed very concerned that that was going to be um, more negative to the men's volleyball. And um, I don't know, maybe, 
so that's a concern of mine, number one. But number two, maybe that opens the door eventually for volleyball to be its own thing. And I know that's, that's far out there, but we've talked about it before. To not be part of the NCAA? Yeah, maybe that would include, you know, if we could, that would take dollars. That would take yeah, a lot of dollars of that are coming from other sports that are making money. There's no doubt about that. But maybe that would free up men's volleyball to sort of grow beyond uh, what it is today because of the financial constraints that are on it. All right, we've got to backtrack for a second because we've got to go back to the most influential event of 2013. We've got to do this a little bit quicker. But uh, I had national team head coach hirings. USAV gets who they want. Yep. Uh, they got who they wanted for the women from 2008 to 2012. They did not get their first choice on the men's side. They did get their first choice with this one. They got John Spraw on the men's side, and they picked up Karch Cry on the women's side. I thought that was the most influential event of 2013. I had a couple. I had the... FIVB event in Long Beach. Um, Ooh, good one. Because I think it... Again with the beach. Yeah, but I also think it'll ripple effect for years as opposed to just last year. Um, having international beach volleyball back in the United States I think is a big deal, and I think there will be more events because of it, and also the AVC, AVCA convention in Seattle was obviously very influential because everybody and their grandmother from the volleyball world was there at the same time. So which one? They were tied. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had two also. Uh, I also had first was the uh, World Challenge FIVB. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a very important event. I think, um, especially with the new FIVB president, you know, very pro-Brazil. Yep. I think it's really important for the FIVB, the European Confederation, uh, the Brazilian Federation, to value events on U.S. soil and, and want to put dollars uh, into more events. And so I thought that was a huge event and big Big props to Leonard Amato for um, making that happen. And I also had the sand volleyball was sanctioned. Wasn't that in 2013? Did I have that right? For women, no, it was the year before. The year before. Because that was their, sec- this okay. was their second year. You could year. say the growth. Yeah, because I, I really felt like, uh, you know, now you, you're starting to have programs and scholarships. And I talked to a few of the coaches, um, Anna Collier at SC, Danny Corso uh, at at uh, Florida State, and I think it's great that that you're starting to have programs and dedicated coaches towards, uh, and, and girls now have a choice. Really, are yeah. starting to have a choice to go to these big time schools and, and play sand volleyball. That's that's pretty incredible. Okay, <clears throat> next up, let's uh, let's do our before we get to volleyball person of the year. Let's give out our our third man, third man award, third man award. Should we? Talk about who's in the running, Kevin? Yes. So you have to throw Dustin Nabal in there, right? Yes. Jay Hasek. He peaked a little early. Yeah, Jay Hasek, Matt Gardhoff, Brandon Rosenthal. Right. I think a dark horse would be Deb Static. Deb Static, yeah. yeah. You could throw Reed's name in there just because he's sitting, in, sitting five feet from me. He's made a late push. Yeah. He, he saved his best for last. Showed up to the convention. I mean that's pretty telling. What have, yeah, I helped start the show, and now I'm now I'm like yeah. peripheral what have, help. What have you <laughs> What have you done for me lately? I showed up to the convention. So there's the nominees. I believe Brandon. Can you tell people what it is, what what it means. This is a contributor. Yeah, person who who isn't necessarily part of the regular crew, which at this point is you and me. Correct. And at one point was Geeter and I. Correct. And at one point was me. Correct. <laughs> Good job, Kevin. And at one point was Reed Pretty, Dan Madden, and myself. Does Reed, I mean, does Kevin need like a Lifetime Achievement Award? 
I'm just like, is there a TNL Lifetime Achievement Award for five years? This is my this is my path to the Volleyball Hall of Fame. Yes, perfect. I had a good career, could have been better, but uh, this is my path to the Volleyball Hall Sweet. of Fame. I just have to do this for another 20 years. So we've had Jay Hosick has won it. Yep. I believe he is the reigning champion. Van Rosenthal right. has won it. Yep, I believe. He he had a good year. Rosenthal? Yeah, he did for sure. He was close. He for did. Me. He yeah. was he was in there. Great he, year. He was he was he was like your wingman in uh, Seattle. He's booking guests. He was booking guests. He was talking to Siri nonstop, directing <laughs> us to restaurants. That is correct. Also correct. And um, parking. You know, it was just kind of like Kevin was there to work, and and Brandon was there making it all happen yeah. behind the scenes. He is. He is the unsung hero of uh, of my program in many cases. But uh, I hate to say, Brandon. You finished second. We celebrate silver medals. Remember yes, that? Yes, we do. Yeah. We celebrate your silver medal yep. status wow. here for uh, third man of the year. Congratulations, Brandon Rosenthal, on your silver medal. Yep. So maybe, maybe you finished uh, in the fourth man of the year spot in the third man of the year race. Look, look. <laughs> if he wants to be back up and get the gold medal, what he can do this year is, is book us a trip. That's, that does Nashville, a lot. That's... Book Raina James and try to get Brant Snedeker. Get me around with Brant oh. Snedeker, uh, and it's a lock. I think he used the right word there. Book. Book. Yeah. Book. Here's the truth. We try and be objective on this show. We try and give you a discussion, uh, both impassioned and also objective discussion each week of volleyball and the issues surrounding volleyball each week on this show. But the bottom line is, I can be balked. Yes, and I know exactly where you're going with this. The book that Reed Pretty is currently paging through, I think, kicked this individual over the top. Forget all the other work that went into the collages all year. Five years in the making. He made a book. He, he didn't tell anybody. He printed it up. He offered it for sale. I hope people have bought it. I need to put the link again on our Facebook page. I hope people have bought one. Yeah, wait for the coupon, though. Get a coupon yeah, exactly. off Snapfish. It's for sale? Yeah, yeah. How yeah. much? Uh, I think it was 40 retail, but they always have like 50% or awesome. 30%. I got I'll tweet it out too. So you can get yourself. Jay Hasek has just put it in here in single letters inside the chat board. Congratulations from, from me. Third man of the year goes to a much-deserving Long Beach native, Matt Gardhoff. Yeah. That's no golf clap. Standing ovation. In the home court, standing ovation. Standing ovation. Good job, Matt. Matt Gardhoff. Congratulations. Uh, we, need, we may need to have an award made up just to send to you that we can then pass around. Actually, the scepter could you the make cape. your own award? <laughs> yeah. Can you uh, Photoshop yourself? Gardhoff you? is running around his office high-fiving and chest-bumping people right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's crying. He might actually be crying. Uh, it's awesome. If we could give a speech, we would. I think Jake called in last year and gave a speech. Uh, Matt Gardhoff, congratulations. Gardhoff, grab your smartphone, Three, four, record seven. a speech, and we'll post it. Yeah. We will air it. Yes, that's a great idea. Record it into your memos. Send us the audio of you accepting the 2013 Third Man of the Year Award for the NetLive. I was trying to think of like the best moment for Gardhoff all year, like on all the collages or things he said on the chat board. I could not find one. There were just, just too I many. I couldn't. When we were talking about Hello Kitty recently, and within like 10 minutes, Gardhoff sent us a photo of <laughs> Kevin... From like with his MC Hammer pants on, with his Jordans and his white T-shirt tucked in, Gardhoff would put a Hello Kitty on the shirt. Within like ten minutes of us mentioning it on the show, the Reed Marlowe that he's looking at right yeah, over there right now, just, I I laid that brilliant. out there like bait. 
Yes. Like, bait. I just, I just threw that it out there. I threw the little it. name plate out there, and Matt Gardhoff responded. There was another thing I put out there, too, that I just thought, you know what? This is like putting a T-bone steak outside a doghouse. That dog is coming out the house. I mean, and none of the, we didn't ask him to do any of this is the best part. Oh, it's like, all of a sudden, and then when the book shows up with no, like, hey, guys, I made you something. It wasn't even that. It was like, Kevin, I have something to drop off. Can I drop it off? And he dropped it off at your house. <laughs> it made it to Seattle. We took it to convention. Have you seen? That could be the best. Have you that seen ad. this That's man? our ad. The ad is good. The, the one he put up when the picture made air of the blank photo frame you and I are holding on the beach, and he put Geeter in Geeter it and said, it. have you seen this man? Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, good stuff. Matt Gardhoff, I believe you got the vote from Jeremy as well. Reed? Yeah, yeah. yeah same. Yeah. Unanimous yeah. vote, unanimous. Matt Gardhoff, unanimous. unanimous third man of the year <laughs> for the Net Live. Matt said he's updating his resume as we speak. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right, we're down to Volleyball Person of the Year. Okay. Go ahead, gentlemen. This was tough for me because I'm sure there's tons of people that I'm not as familiar with that could be thrown into this. But uh, I believe, and this is probably somewhat of a body of a work award as well, but Russ Rose for me. Oh, he's on my list. Yeah. I mean, especially when Kevin thought Penn State was awful and shouldn't have even made it to the finals. Um <laughs> You know, no one gave him a chance, obviously. They was not any good at all, wasn't ranked all year, and somehow made it to the finals and won. Hey, hey. Um, I said I, how they did it. Come yes, on. I think it's hard when expectations are like that. They are difficult to continually live up to. I think that's why he gets the award for me. Russ Rose. Yep. Person of the year, Jeremy. Reed. I have a boring answer as well. Russ Rose. I had him too, and I wish I could think of something better or but I mean it's just you can't argue with uh that's just really impressive the way they played you know the fact that they're now had the stability of a system where they're able to recruit people into an already winning system you know UCLA had that on the men's side Mm -hmm. years ago and uh it was really impressive to watch it was uh it was I was I was very nice to be at that event and um I like that he smoked cigars or other things, as mentioned on the show. <laughs> Russ Rose. <laughs> All right, I, I had Russ Rose on that list. Um, I, I, had, I had it down to two people, and I will go with the other one for the sake of uh, discussion here. Russ Rose, uh, yes. Um, this one, I, I think, is because of what he's done and what the possibilities are. I'm going to put Donald's son in there because he's the one person making massive financial investment, I guess, besides Leonard and, mm-hmm. and the aforementioned Long Beach event. But Donald is pouring lots of his own money into this game because he cares about the game, because he wants to have a business that's associated with the game. He wants to have a business in the game. And so I, I had Donald son on that list because I think you have to give credit to people who are not just talking about the sport, not just talking about what should be done, but actually doing it, actually putting up the money, his own funds, and doing it. Well, and here's the thing about Donald. He's actually not really talking about it. He is just doing it. That's right. He won't talk about it. Yeah. We want him on the show. Yep. But we heard in the convention we've made some inroads, and uh, if we can supply a, a pre-selected questions, that uh, we might even get to hear his voice. Yeah. I don't pre-furnish questions. Yeah, I know. You're like Dan not Patrick a, that way. No, I don't do a softball interview, Kevin. It's no. just there's certain things that some people can't 
answer. They're then, say, then say I don't want to answer that. It's the same as when I hosted the press conference for Monster Energy Supercross on Thursday. Drink. I ask questions that people are scared to ask those riders. And you know what? I'm not scared. I don't care. And same thing last year with uh, Carly Wopat situation. And Samantha Wopat, her sister who had killed herself the year before. All right? I'm going to ask about it. And I asked her. I previewed it with her. But that's a special situation. But everyone around me said, don't ask. Yeah. No. Because they were scared. No. I'm going to go talk to her because of the gravity of the situation. But then we're going to find out. And I'm going to go ask these guys a question. And if Donald Sun comes on here, I'm going to ask him whatever I want to know. Reed, this will be the show that Kevin's sick. So we, we had him for a yeah, second. Yeah, exactly. Now we now, lost him. Now he's out. But he is, he is doing more than talking about what should be done with the sport, which is what most of the people in the volleyball universe do. It's what we spend a lot of time doing. But he is actually putting up the money, oh, yeah. running events, and losing money to, to try and be a part of and benefit this sport because he grew up a fan and he cares, and that's why I put him at person of the year. Nice. So there well, you go. Well deserved. So maybe, maybe we will get him. Maybe we won't. I hope that he can respect oh, the fact that, Rosenthal's back. that I'm, not, uh, <clears throat> I'm, not pulling, I'm not pulling punches on that question. That's, just, that's part of my deal. You want to come on, on my show? We're going to ask you whatever we're going to ask you. You're welcome to not answer it. All right, fine. We already lost him. Come on. I've got to yeah. get to the course. <laughs> Rosenthal's back? Well, then you didn't hear the uh, potato chip egg? <laughs> yeah, Reed's invisible car is running outside. So there it is, 2013 Netty Awards complete. Uh, Reed Pretty and Jeremy Roche participating. want to make sure we thank uh, Brandon Rosenthal as well as Jay Hosick. We will continue to hear from Jay Hosick throughout this year all about the world of men's volleyball. Thanks to Reed for making the trip up and putting off his tea time in order to be a part of the show today. Reed, we hope you sure to shoot 500 par today. Good luck. Uh, the Eagles are out, unfortunately. My wife's still cheering for the Chargers. She's excited. My son, uh, big Packer fan, equal situation to me. Packers also out. Jeremy, I don't know who you're cheering for. Nobody. Redskins suck. I'm cheering for myself. Okay, cheering for you. Uh, Reed Pretty, he's still cheering for volleyball. He's, I don't even know if he knows what's going on with the NFL playoffs, <laughs> but there's too much golf to be played. So thanks to you for listening. Thanks for being a part of our show. To all our fans, thanks for being a part of the NetLife throughout the year. You can get our audio on iTunes. It is free. I did update the file from last week from, from Seattle, so it sounds a little bit better. Go ahead and tune that one in because the people make it, man. We had some great people. We'll see you next week. Tom Fuhrer, longtime television producer and executive producer of Fox Sports West, will be live in studio. This is a guy with a lot of history of the game on TV. We will talk business. We will talk history. We will talk a lot of different things with Tom. Should be fun. We'll see you next week on Minute Live. Best show of 2014. Yeah! I want to defame, but not to cover a newsweek. Oh, well, guess Vegas can't be choosy. Want us to receive attention from my music. Want us to be left alone in public, excuse me. But wanting my cake and eat it too. And wanting it both ways. Fame made me a balloon. Because my ego inflated when I blew Steve. But it was confusing. Because all I wanted to do is be the Bruce Lee of Bruce Lee of Bruce Use it as a spoon when I blew seat. Hit the lottery, too weak. But with what I gave up to get, it was bittersweet. It was like winning and use me. I'm running because I think I'm getting so huge. I need a strength. I'm beginning to lose sleep. One sheep, two sheep, pulling cuckoo and cookie is cool key. But I'm actually weirder than you think.
Cause I'm friends with the 